All right, here we are. Yeah. I don't know what episode. I'm not going to even say it now. <laughs> scared to say what episode we're on. But scared. there you go. But we're uh, yeah, a few months into our Huck and Ride podcast. Um, been having a lot of fun just uh, getting different guests and stuff. And this is one that I mean, when we first talked about doing the podcast, we were like, okay, so what what are your ideas? Who who can we have? And Think, you were my first. Pick. Think his name nice. came up right away because it's like you know, let's get uh, someone in the in the industry who people know, but people might not know, and you know for sure they might not know some of his personal story. So yeah, everyone knows him as John Hall, Aaron Gwen's mechanic. Yeah. I, I know there was a life before yeah. the Aaron Gwen mechanic, and we were just talking about that. So welcome, uh, Mr. John Hall. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I love doing these types of things. Um, it's always fun to just, like I was saying earlier, expand on, um, like, beyond what Instagram shows or social media in general, like the little snippets and stuff. There's always cool stories behind much cooler things. Yeah. You know? yeah. So what I said, your glorified life on yeah. on Instagram and in between you do yeah. nothing. I like it. So when no racing's going on, you just do this all day no <laughs> actually no i've actually um i i'll get deep into a, a we call them the scroll holes but um it, i don't know social media is i can't say anything that hasn't been said about it before it's a double-edged sword right yeah like, <clears throat> you can use it to your advantage and then it could be like a complete detriment to your lifestyle as well so recently i feel like it's been just a complete detriment to anything i've been trying to be productive in and i've i've gone off of it before and the funny thing is is the last time i went off of it was let's say back in it would have been 2013 12 or 13 and i was going to school full-time working at a bike shop full-time like literally just seven days a week non-stop you know bike shops are like you don't not work on weekends and then i was going to school at night um, from like six to 10 PM. So I'd work at the shop until like five 30, like stop a Jack in the box on the way to <laughs> like class. <laughs> and then just like stuff it in my face in 10 minutes and then be five minutes late to class, get there like six and then go till 10. And it was like double fast track classes three or four nights a week. Oh my gosh. And like, so it was just like nonstop. But I found myself at the time, like trying to write papers and stuff like that, which like 10 pages is, in high school, you thought it was the end of the world, but like 10 pages is so easy, 10, 20 pages like on subject matter and stuff like that. It's not that bad, but I was finding myself like be 10, 11 o'clock at night trying to write a paper or finish it for the next day, like typical college, like wait till the last minute. And I would go to Facebook and like I'd kind of hit like a, like get stuck on a paper or something like that. And then instead of sitting there and like kind of grind on it a little bit, I'd go to Facebook. And I'm like, it's 11 o'clock at night and I'm on the West coast. Like I have friends in like Midwest and East coast. I'm like two, three o'clock in the morning. Like there is nobody on Facebook right now. There is nothing for me here. Like what the hell am I doing? <laughs> like this. And I had like this epiphany of like, this is ridiculous. I need to get rid of it. And at the time I just got off Facebook and kept Instagram. Cause I did enjoy like the pictures and that's back when like the algorithm was quite a bit different and like, posts were in order so like you knew when you hit the end of your feed you're like oh, done like you know yeah. stuff like that and well, i enjoyed like keeping not, up on stuff now when they pick and choose what you could see yeah exactly <laughs> and this was like i said like 12 or 13 instagram was fairly new like excuse me the um just wasn't addicted to it then it was very easy to like look at it for a couple minutes and put it back in your pocket right and uh <clears throat> anyways like i just found a 
deep focus on other aspects of my life, like getting rid of social media. And that led to my job that I have now. Like I just buried myself in school and work. And um, I was living about, I don't know, five, six houses down from Rich Houseman at the time I just moved and um, got tied in with him and, and kind of, uh, we can elaborate on this a bit later, but that's kind of how uh, I got into this position that I'm in now. And so fast forward to recently and it was like, dude, <laughs> sometimes social media sucks. Like just straight up. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you know that there's just players out there that just, they're stirring the pot on purpose just to stir the pot and you know it and and you get fired up about crap and then you're just like and then that just carries on the rest of your day like what do you do what is probably 80 90 percent of the people do first thing they wake up like they lay in bed for 10 15 minutes 20 30 minutes and they stare at their phone yeah and it's the last thing you do before you go to bed you're laying in bed just scrolling and scrolling right. and scrolling and all this political crap and it's like you know, fired up and then you go to bed pissed and you wake up and you look and you're pissed off. So it's like, why would you want to start your day pissed off? Yeah. You know, and it's an algorithm. Like it just like some of it, I feel like is on purpose, but some of it's just you're feeding the machine. Like it's telling yeah. you, it's giving you what you want. Right. So when you're clicking on crap or if it's like, what in the world is that? And like you click on it just out of curiosity and it fires you up and then it just feeds you more of it, whether it's good or bad. Right. So and, you could probably control it. And, just and like we've talked. We've talked about all different aspects of the social media because <coughs> you know, obviously, what this is tied into. Sure. You know, and so it's like, well, we're part of the machine too. So yep. what part are we going to play in that? Yep. And one of the things we keep coming back to is we just have to be authentic. Because one of the things that drove me crazy is b- going out and meeting some of some people that are big on media. Mm-hmm. super super big and they get lots of support in the bike industry because they're such big media presence sure and i get it absolutely i get yeah, I there's get, a place for it i get the the value in that <clears throat> and then you meet the people and you're just like this is all smoke and mirrors like that's not really who you are well it goes back to like that old saying like never meet your heroes right like yeah it's, yeah you, you because it it builds up this perception that social media just allows you to control the per- perception that you put out yeah but like i mean before the days of social media and like print ads and magazines and stuff like that. Like you relied on editors and photographers to write the story about you. Right. And that's, you got to make up your mind about these people that you had an interest in, whether they were professional athletes or mountain bikers or golfers or like whatever. And you just have this like perception now of who these people are based off what you're digesting it from the media well you get to control what you put up i can make it look like it's i'm have an amazing yep, life exactly. right? or you can make it look like it's the worst ever right yep. so, yeah and so like in those days though it's like they didn't athletes didn't really i don't think had that much control unless you're like you got to be good buddies with certain media guys yeah and they portrayed you the way you enjoyed being portrayed you would probably give them a little more access to your life but it's still like you know I don't know. It's, it's but like you said, it can just be smoke and mirrors. As soon as you meet somebody, they're completely different. Right. But I mean, going back to it, it's a double edged sword. Like it's not going away anytime soon. No. You know, yeah. me getting off social media is not going to change anything like, <laughs> just, at all. It just helps you to go go to bed not pissed exactly. off and wake up not <laughs> exactly. so pissed off. Exactly. A little less stress. A little more focused on other yeah. more important aspects. Of my right. Life. Right. And uh, but that's kind of, that's the reason. I'm at, so I, my point being is like I recently just stepped away from social media. I didn't delete it. I didn't like. I didn't go full deep end like screw everything i'm never coming back again like yeah i know i'm coming back i'm not ridiculous and there are certain like <clears throat> advantages from it but 
I personally just wanted to step away to focus on what I believe is like a few more important, more important bits in my life, like both personally and professionally. So, um, and to advance those areas of my life rather than just wasting yeah. hours. Like if yeah. you ever look at the screen time on your phone, like, and you realize like there were days where it's like, dude, there's seven hours of screen time. And I'm like, that's a work day. Yeah. What the hell was I doing? Right. Like right. that's insane. Not going yeah. to sleep. Right. Or just yeah. like, you know, you'd find getting pissed off. It would, yeah. It'd be, <laughs> you know, and it's like, I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm right. fairly bad with it or was. And, but there's people who are way worse. I mean, how many times you walk into a restaurant right. and there's six people sitting at a table and everybody's like, I'm like, I want to like go pick their heads up. And I'm like, does your neck hurt? Like, look at all of you. Like you're just right. like your head, like looks like they're staring at their toes. Well, and you you would get to, you don't get this aspect anymore. Right. You don't like I just went to um, my niece's gender reveal yesterday and um Haley and Haley and Tyler's having a boy. Um but what <laughs> happened was I walked in the front room and her other two sisters and her new brother-in-law were sitting there and her other um brother-in-law and I'm like, is this where, and everyone else is out back. I'm like, oh, is this where the internet works best? <laughs> they were all on their phone. Yeah. And so even when I went into the bathroom earlier, I was like, or after that, I was like, oh, I'm in the internet section. Let me know if I get in, in, in way of your Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. Just laughing because it's, you, you missed this, sure. right? Yeah. And I, yeah. I try to do that because like, I, we, you go to restaurants, you go anywhere and you mm-hmm. just see them all on it. It's like, you know, yep. and, and I have to admit, like, I'm, I don't post but I am a stalker, but yeah. it's more so the team because yep. I make sure they're doing what they're supposed to and putting mm-hmm. things out there the right way. But like I followed you for how many years now and I love like, yeah. you know, I, I can't honestly say you're real in your life. You didn't do a whole lot of smoky mirrors because yeah. like when you had issues with our puppo that you just lost and right. you know, and then your, your stepdaughter that you treat amazing just yeah. hit home with me and, and Mackenzie, your wife, like it's just like, and then I was telling you that one day at that, that song came out about, but it was for a boy, but I, you know, I know I missed oh, your first yeah, yeah. step and all that. And yeah. I'm like, for whatever reason, and look, I can get teary eyed now. Sorry. <laughs> but you came to play on that because you came to my, my head on that because how much your, your daughter means to you. Like yeah. you, you'll give anything. And it's like, I mean, I've, you know, I'm sure you played dress up in the tiara <laughs> and the, the, because you need to do that. Right. Yeah. You know, girls are totally different and the, just the role you're playing is amazing. And so, like Jay says, the first person was like, "Oh, I want, I want to talk to John." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was more excited about that. Yeah, I mean, it's like you can't be completely naive to social media. It's, it's like I said, it's double-edged sword. You can right. use it to your advantage, or you can allow it to control your life. Right. And so I just felt like I was at a period where I needed to step away for a minute so that it Good didn't just control my life again. I'll, I'll come back and probably, yeah, pretty soon because the, the season's coming up, and there's certain aspects where I love, <clears throat> like there's. Um, you know, you talk about like being a little more personal. Like I don't want my page to be like algorithm friendly, you know, like people are like, Oh, I need to make it look like this. And I need to say these words and I need to, all these chicks got to use the the cursive caption and like all this weird stuff to like, just to disrupt the algorithm and get more attention and stuff. And I'm like, man, like I'm just going to post like what I want to post. Exactly. And I have zero obligations. Like, there's no social media like clause in any contract I've ever signed. Like, no con- no sponsors ever been like you need to do X amount. I'm a friggin' mechanic. Like, I'm not the athlete. <laughs> like, and so there's never been any pressure from that side of things. Like, yeah. so anything that I do post professionally, like, is out of genuine. Just like I I either like a product we're running or, 
you know, bring attention to something that we're running or something like that. Like it's never, never, ever been like forced or been told to do any of that. But along comes with that. It's like, this is my personal page. Like it's not a sponsor page. I'm not an athlete. You're not like, getting I'm, paid any part no, of this. This is just no, what you a, want to do. I'm not a quote unquote creator. Like I'm not trying to grow a social media following. So it's like, yeah, like I'm going to post a cool picture of just, I don't know, a video of me walking my dog. Like cause yeah. that's just a part of my day. Yeah. You know, or, or a bike ride or a workout, or like right. it's not always bike industry related. And a lot of it's like, I'm, I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. I've talked to a lot of other mechanics and athletes and stuff like that. And it's like, if they want to put up a post that's not bike related, it's like we always joke and it's like we have to like start hashtagging, like, hashtag not a bike post. And yeah. it's like, but if you actually look at those, it's funny if you care about it, look deep enough into the metrics of it, like the bike posts are, they do super well. And anything like personal just like dives. It'll yeah. be like eighty likes, and you're like, well, it's like sick. yeah, like on our team page, I noticed we don't have you know, I've never paid for anything mm-hmm. on the. It's just always organic, whatever whatever it is that we're bringing. And sometimes we have kids on the team that have huge followings. Other times they don't. So you know, it's always been yep. up and down. But the reels, now the <laughs> reels on Instagram. Oh my gosh. Dude, I have, I have one reel on my Instagram and they'd been out for a few months, I think, or had been like been doing them or something like that. And I was like, I'm going to see what this whole reel thing's about. And I was just doing like a lower leg service right here in my garage. And it was like 10 seconds. And I like, I just like knocked my lowers off and like the oil came out, put a song to it. The freaking thing had like a hundred thousand views, yeah, like fifty thousand views or something and, like that. And I was like, "What?" And months later, it keeps going because like someone else discovers it and it <laughs> yeah. just keeps going. It's a so, wild, thing. yeah. It's weird. But, yeah, it's like crazy. I said, we, we'd be crazy. naive to like completely exit from our lives, but um, I think you just need to be better about controlling the way it yeah. controls you. Or so yeah. what you're saying you is to. you don't use the filters to make yourself look super buff. No, and... oh, no filters. <laughs> <laughs> no, not on this end. Uh, coming uh, soon, filters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be plain. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what, like I said, I love the real stuff. I, Because, I mean, as a woman in the social media side, you go out there and you, you know, I mean, first of all, women in the mic industry is already... You know, we're we're behind you guys. No matter how much we try, we're there. Mm-hmm. But then you you like see all this. It's like, and it's totally like this is what I look like. It you know in my head, and then yeah. this is what I really look like. Like that's so true. Like yeah. you know because you meet the people or whatever. Like he said, he went and met some people, and he was like, ooh, they get paid money, and they yep. get this, and they get more product than the team, and they can't even ride a bike. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was like, and it was really that bad on one of them. I was like, oh yeah. my god, and he was fired up, and I'm like. Take a deep breath. Yeah. Step back. Ours yeah. are, you know, because then all of a sudden he wants Huck and Ride to be like, get it out there. And I'm like, it's organic. It's what we've yeah. always done. It's and it's real it and it'll yeah. last. Yep. Yeah. That's that's the difference. And, I mean, and you can see nothing's rehearsed. We like. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. let's go back. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I want to know. We got social, social media out of the way. <laughs> okay. So, which is what we're on. We're good. Yeah. I want to know. Well, I know you mid Midwest. You said you grew up on. Mm-hmm. From there, what was what got you in love with bikes or motorcycles or what? What two wheels did you? Are? Yeah, I started on a plastic tricycle, you know, like a Hot Wheel. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I said, I, I grew up in the Midwest, in uh, South Dakota, um, primarily just on a on a ranch and ranch and family. Um, that was my background. Um, you know, my parents grew up um, in South Dakota as well. Um, ranching uh, their whole lives and so my dad's parents my grandparents um 
uh, race sheep. And he, in typical fashion, I, and I understand this where I get it from now, but um, he hated everything about it. Hated sheep, hated it, hated it, and just wanted out. Like, didn't want anything to do with it. Went to college um, in the Black Hills there and then um, started rodeoing from there. And then when he's done rodeoing, he started ranching. But he hated sheep, so he's like, I'm done ranching cattle. And so primarily uh, Black Angus. And that's how I grew up um, from a young age, anyways, is just ranching and, and rodeoing as soon as I was old enough, um, roping, stuff like that. So. Um, I'm really intrigued now. Yeah, yeah. No wonder why you're a cowboy boots and hats like come natural. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, you can't ever take that. That's why he looks like um, he already has the look going right for the guy on Yellowstone. Uh, I I don't know. Probably one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, that was that was from I mean from a from the time I was born to probably ten twelve. I mean up until you know, my teenage years or high school and stuff like that. Um, but I would say, uh, my mom owned an insurance agency as well in town. And so we had to have the place in town where I could also go to school. And then the ranch was 175 miles away, three hour drive. And so dad would stay up there and run the ranch. And then mom would have to run the insurance agency in town and then take care of me and go to school and like, make sure I got school and sports, anything I was involved in. Um, and then we'd be at the ranch on the, on the weekends oh, wow. and stuff like, and this is as I got a bit older. Um, and then basically, uh, from that, I was obviously spending the week in town. Um, and so then I started becoming like, what, what we call like a town kid, like city slicker or something like that, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> um, started playing a little more sports and stuff. And then I got like pretty, like. I'm competitive. I mean, naturally, I think most people are that would be in this industry and racing and stuff like that. Um, and so in hindsight, I was competitive. So it didn't matter what I was going to do. Like I was just, I needed to do something competitive and growing up and I mentioned rodeo and I wanted to ride bulls, um, because in rodeo and, and where I was from and just the way that worked out there is like, roping was i'm not going to use the word that was used then but <laughs> roping was for wusses yeah you know like those were those it was just like not that exciting there it was like a gravel racer right so oh, a downhill <laughs> exactly. world cup racer exactly yeah <laughs> like and i was just attracted to the excitement of riding bulls um you know Ooh. and and that's the last event of the rodeo that's the one everybody comes to watch it's it's the roughest it's the scariest you know you're 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 stepping onto a 2000 pound animal that you have no idea what it's going to do for the most part. Um, and you have to be ready for it. And I mean, those guys are, um, if you ever want to, uh, really look into like athletes, like those guys are incredible. And the bulls themselves are athletes and those, those guys, they're bred to do what they do. And, and it's, that's a whole nother world. Um, but anyways, um, got into like, and you're like, put me in, I'm going absolutely. In. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved everything about it. Um, and my dad, when he rodeoed, he rode Bronx, um, so bareback. And he went to the NFR a couple of years in the 70s um, and stuff like that. So he, it was a high, high professional level that he made it to as well. And uh, anyways, when I, when I got to the age and I wanted to start riding bulls, my dad wanted me to rope. And naturally, I mean, he, he knew how rough rodeoing was, even on him just riding Bronx. I mean, he got beat up, busted, torn up knees and broken bones and all that kind of stuff. And and riding bulls it's a bit rougher than that yeah he just knew so his saying was was always bulls are made to eat not to ride and would only let me rope and so i roped and i loved it and i was really good at it and um and then but spending more time in town and at school around kids 
in the town and city and stuff like that. Um, started playing sports. Um, and team sports were fun. They just never really, like, stuck with me because I always had to rely on so many other people mm. to be successful. You know, I was playing soccer from a real young kid, and I, that was at the age where they were just chasing butterflies. But I, even at that age, I was very serious. And I, I was like, what in the world are these freaking kids doing? Like, I'm here to, like, play soccer and win. Yeah. And everybody's just running around. Did, did like, you have siblings? I had three older sisters. Okay. Um, but there's such a huge age gap that I was essentially an only child. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay. And so I just got frustrated and, and stuff like that. And then I tried baseball, and that was fun, but it's kind of boring. Um, I tried basketball, and that was okay. And they had, like, what we call traveling teams then. And, like, that was my ultimate goal is to get on the traveling team because – Everybody was more serious then. It's kind of like what I guess would be like a club team or something yeah. like that yeah. out here. Yeah. Um, and I got on one of those, but I just wasn't that great at it. I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the competitiveness there. Um, tried football for for a few years. Um, I enjoyed that as well. And and then by the time I was like middle school, I found BMX um, and started riding with a couple of buddies, and then got looped in with a crew that was racing and um started going to a couple local races and stuff like that and then that's when like my mind started switching i was like racing bmx and doing a couple team sports um i wrestled as well all the way up from kindergarten through like middle school and um and so i really enjoyed wrestling and then i started like connecting the dots i was like i enjoy the competitiveness of sports but I need to do it by myself. Like individual. Yeah. yeah. Like I took all of responsibility and I, I'd get so frustrated in team sports. Cause I would just take all the responsibility for a loss. I'd be like, yeah. Frick. Like, and I was like, why doesn't anybody else care about this as much as I do? You know? <laughs> and so, and then I started realizing like, okay, like individual sports, like this is just on me. Like if I mess up, it's my fault. If I do well, like I get to celebrate and like, that was because of me and the, the, the time and the work that I put in. So I really enjoyed wrestling and, and that aspect of it. Um, and still do. That's why I love watching like grappling and jujitsu and okay. um, all the fights and stuff like that. I just I'm, I just love watching. I'm a fan of that. So um, our next YouTube is going to be John and Jay wrestling. Oh my god! <laughs> See how many times Jay can get pinned. Aaron uh, Aaron's been doing jujitsu lately here this off season stuff. That's been really cool for for me to like be able to chat with him about it. And he's super excited. And I've been kicking around the idea for years now. And I'm like. Maybe it's time, like, to, to get back into yeah. it again or something like that. But um, so anyways, yeah, I was, I was just doing. Um, so you never bull rode? No, no. I, I got on a couple steers, a couple small bulls when I was younger, but nothing. Did you like it when you were on those, though? Yeah, I loved it. It was rough as hell, too. Like, it's never what you expect it is. But, and they're just little, tiny little practice steers. Like, it was nothing crazy. Like, what you're watching on the PBR or the NFR or anything. Yeah. Like, nothing. Yeah. Nothing big. No, um, nothing like what your dad was doing. No, no, not at all. No. Um, but I would have loved to continue it. But uh, there's a funny story about that and, and his saying with bulls are made to eat, not to ride, and he d didn't want me to do it and all that kind of stuff. And in middle school, I find BMX, and then, like, um, you know, my early high school years, I had a couple of buddies racing moto, and I got a dirt bike, uh, a little 125, and just riding for fun and stuff like that. And I sucked. I was so sketchy on that thing looking back now. And people are like, why don't you have a dirt bike right now? Like, you mountain bike dude, SoCal, like, everybody rides mountain bikes and dirt bikes. I'm like, dude, no. I'm <laughs> freaking basket case on that thing. You want to see me get hurt? Like, no thanks. But, yeah, I was just – it was um, – so I, I raced a little bit for, like, two years, like, C-class and just never really did that well. 
and it scared the crap out of me, man. Those jumps were huge. And, like the speed factor was big. And I was like, and that was back in the early 2000s. So it's nothing what it is today. But, um, but I got hurt a few times and my dad, I remember one time I was laid up on the couch or something like that. And he said, man, if, if I'd have known how much you got hurt riding these bikes, I would have just let you ride bulls. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I just laughed. Like, yeah. I was just laughing. So it's too late now. So come around like uh, early high school days, I kind of basically made the decision like no more team sports, no more uh, any other sports. I'm just going to like, I love riding bikes and racing BMX so much. Um, and I had a good group of friends locally for a small town. Like they're really good riders. Um, and we traveled to the nationals. We'd always hit like what the closest one for us would be. It was always Salt Lake. Um, I think we'd go down to DeSoto, Texas for that national Oklahoma, obviously for grands. And then, um, what's the one they had at the lazy E arena. We'd always hit that national, um, <clears throat> did you have a local track in town too? Did you? Guys it wasn't in town. It was about an hour away. 45 minutes or so so a um, bunch of you city slickers went out there <laughs> yeah pretty much yep and that was that was in rapid city and so we would um we traveled to rapid city every weekend you know the during the summer and stuff and race every weekend and so even i mean i was probably 13 when i really started like taking that seriously and looking back now i'm like my mom used to send me to nationals with these guys because the oldest one was like 19 yeah and it was like a 19 year old like a 16 or 17 year old and me and one of my other buddies and we'd drive to utah and my mom would just be like okay here's some cash <laughs> good luck see you on sunday night when you get back and we'd leave <clears throat> you know thursday night or something like that after one of the guys got off work because practice was friday and stuff and we'd drive all through the night to get there um, oh either crash at somebody's hotel or, or maybe we would have one if we were lucky, we'd have our own, but there'd be four of us, five of us in one hotel room. Yeah. And, um, you know, hit the national and then drive back after the race Sunday night, sometimes Monday morning, uh, just in time awesome. for school. So, <laughs> and uh, you know, my mom would give me a, it was a $300 budget for the weekend. And that was for gas, food, hotel, entry fees, everything. And I mean, I had to spend every dollar of that and skimp on every dollar yeah of that. i would say that's even i mean then it sounds like 300 dollars a lot then but yeah it wasn't i mean even, yeah. even when you do your race it goes entry, quick it goes yeah. so fast and it would and that was a lot i mean i'm i'm yeah. so appreciative of it now you know i was always like man i need like 500 dollars because i'm like i'm eating bare bones minimum like drinking nothing but water you know, trying to like get to a track and seeing somebody I know and be like, where are you guys like, what are you guys doing after the race? Like meet your hotel room. And then just like hang out their room long enough until everybody got tired and to be like, Oh, like I don't really have where to go. I'm just going to sleep here. Like, and they're just kind of like, Oh, okay. This dude's just going to sleep on our floor. <laughs> like, yep. That's what we're doing. Like, <laughs> so we could save some money on hotel rooms and stuff like yeah. that. And the guys, like if, if they ever listen to this, um, Rory and Jordan and my other buddy Aaron Choi it's like they'll they'll laugh about these stories and we laugh about it now I'm like I even them they're like I can't believe your mom sent you to these races <laughs> like all the way to Texas by yourself and you're like 14 years old like yeah and that, but that's just what I did but awesome too right like yeah. nowadays you would think really twice about that I mean we've taken kids but it's different on what we have right, versus right. yeah yeah <laughs> here it's you just, go yep just here's here's my kid like don't hopefully it doesn't get hurt like, yeah Kidnapped, there was no cell raped, yeah anything. nothing dude i didn't have cell phones like oh you yeah know, i didn't even think of nothing, that you can't even none call. Of that stuff yeah mom i ran out of the quarters i yeah. couldn't call you back exactly there's you yeah okay. no gps either like i mean we had roadmaps but we had like our routes highlighted on the same roadmap that we use like for like six years so it was like if we're going to salt lake like 
you just have that. I just had it memorized. I could drive to Salt Lake yeah. when I was 16 by myself, not even look at a map. I just Jay, knew. He loves maps. Yeah. Like, I just knew yeah. every turn I needed to take, how far it was, where it was. And like, that kind of goes back to like now. I'm like, I'm so reliant on technology now. I'm like, yeah. I can't even drive to friggin' Irvine without turning my GPS on <laughs> if I haven't been somewhere, you know? Right. Like, I right. couldn't possibly, people are like, oh, it's down by this store. I'm like, I have no idea where that is. Yeah. So, but it was fun. I mean, I, I learned so much more now thinking about it. It's like, man, you just, you're out on your own. Right. And you spent, pre- yeah. prepped you for what you're doing yeah, now. Exactly. Like, I mean, I wish kids now did that more often. That's common you know? sense. And that's what that thing's learned. And it's yeah. not taught. Yeah. My dad had four girls, you know, and my dad's like, you know, we all have common sense for that. Like, it's just weird in what you instill in your kid. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, dude, it's it's never hundred percent the case. There's for sure kids out there that are learning these skills, and and oh yeah, they're they're yeah. awesome. Even when you find them, you're like, this kid's got a good head on yeah. his shoulders. Like, yeah, that's cool. So, what was uh, your highest level in BMX you got to? Uh, just national level racing expert. Um, there were Bubba Harris. I think yep. I used to race him as an amateur before he turned pro. Oh really? Yeah, and those guys. Um, so what was your nag plate? I never got a nag plate. It never was never nationally ranked. Really? Yeah, I just kept it local because I couldn't hit every national. Or okay, you, like but that. so you have a district. What did? What was your district number? Oh shoot, I don't know. I was I was head on the district. I won champ like state champs like. Oh, there you go. For a few years, I got the whole like little ABA jacket that they'd send yeah, out. That, that's what, I have my district ten jacket. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. No, I still have that jacket somewhere <laughs> nice. as well. Nice. I should wear that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's at my mom's house back in South Dakota still. Oh, you got a mom? Send awesome. me a picture of that. We yeah, gotta, yeah. We gotta have I that. I will for that's, sure. That's I have awesome. mine. Yeah. yeah. It's, so yeah, we, I yeah district champ, state champ, a couple times. Um, but for South Dakota, like competition wasn't that great. And that's why we like started branching out to the nationals. But we could only hit maximum like three a year. Like we'd hit usually like DeSoto, Salt Lake, and the Grands. Um, what was the one in um, Illinois? Uh, gosh, I forget the name of that one. Um, Rockford. Uh, okay. We'd go to Rockford or Minnesota. St. Paul had one. Um, they had a national up there too. So it was like those were the main ones we would hit. And out of those ones, we'd choose two or three a year to go to. So you knew you were in love with two wheels. Yeah, I loved it. Um, but not the one with the motor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was. I loved that one. I just got hurt too much on that name thing. But um, it's like throwing a ball to Jay. He's oh my gosh, you were talking about your team sports. I'm just like, oh, uh, that was, yeah. He wasn't even good at it. His my feet on the ground and you're throwing a ball at me. Panic mode. Disaster, dude. His, his disaster. Brother, his brother coached like the basketball. Oh yeah, my brother like, was like lettered and all the sports and did, you know he did yeah. everything. And, and he's five years older, so he would coach and he would like all right, he put Jay in when they're so far ahead, or if they were losing to run. Oh, we yeah, we had a city get, a city flag. basketball team that we were a part of, and he ended up coaching it, and so he would be like, Jay, go in. Like two minutes later, I'm about to foul out. I'm like, I don't know what I did. <laughs> He's like, you did exactly what I wanted you to, Jay. Perfect. The other Great team's job, all dude. roughed up and laid out. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay. I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> I did. It's confusing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – in South Dakota, I mean, absolutely no disrespect. The guys I was racing there were, were fast. But I it was it was first or second place every weekend at the local races. And the state champs, you know, it was guaranteed main event and guaranteed top three, like – and if a, we weren't winning, even like a couple of my buddies I was racing against, it was like we would just go one, two with each other back and forth. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little side note. Mm-hmm. So I did one vacation, I don't know, years ago. My daughter was probably six or seven. She's 24 now. So 
anyhow, went to South Dakota, Mount Rushmore, did the whole thing. Yep. They're friendliest people that I've <laughs> ever met in the entire country. Good. Yeah. Friendliest, like hands down, like everywhere that we went, I got a flat tire, you know, just normal sure. issues that you have on, on road trips. We live for that. Oh my God! Be able to stop and help somebody. They were like, absolutely the really? <laughs> nice, nicest people everywhere that we went. Yeah. Like you walked into a restaurant and it's like they were your friends. Yeah. Like it's not like you know they're not saying that you know drives me crazy when you walk into the fast food places now and they nobody looks at you. Well, well that or they're not looking at you, but they hear the door and they have to do their greeting that they yell out. You know, yep. and they're doing something else, and they yell at the greedy. I'm like, you're not greeting me. It's not yeah, genuine. Just don't do it. Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just complete opposite of that. That was South Dakota. Yeah, I, I, oh, there's always like those sayings and stuff that float around, stuff like that. But there's one about um, Midwest in general, but South Dakota specifically this time. It was like, um, you know, if you're not from there or something like that, and you're driving through in the winter, like, and if you end up in the ditch in a storm or something like that, like, don't panic. Don't try to get out. There'll be a a group of four guys in a four-wheel drive pickup with a case of beer that'll be by there within moments. Like, don't worry. Like, we live for this stuff. Yeah, totally. And, like, and they'll pull you out. Like, That's just awesome, sit there man. and yeah, relax. Totally like, we'll true. be there in so, a minute. Like, yeah. somebody will come by and see you, and they'll stop and see if you need help. Yeah. And here, it's like, man, you could... Man, people... People are running you off the road. Oh, dude. They, they, like, they could be the cause of the accident or, like, see an accident happen right in front of them and then just, like, stare at it and drive by. I'm like... Dude, stop and help. Yeah. Like, see yeah. what, see what's happening. Like, see if somebody needs help. Like, yeah. you know, I've been yeah. around like where, you know, I live in an apartment complex in Menifee, and not sketchy, but uh, sketchy apartments. Apartment yeah, apartment complex in Menifee. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's like there's always fights and stuff like that. And I was working in the garage one night, and there was a fight broke. And I mean, I heard this kid getting the absolute shit kicked out of him. Oh. Um, and I was like, what in the hell's going on? And I just ran, started yelling at the dude. There's three guys had him up against the car, just all teeing off on him. This kid was probably like 13 or 14. All of them were. And I came running over there, and they scattered. And this kid's just bleeding. Like, get him up. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Just He's pissed and scared. Brought him over and <laughs> sat him on the tailgate. But there was like three other people, like, outside it wasn't chappy, that was right? there no no, it wasn't <laughs> no but there's like three other people out there like just even other neighbors and stuff yeah. like that i'm like i know all of you've heard this like why was like not trying to brag or anything but it's like why did i only run over there right why didn't any of you see me running over there and yeah. then go with me like i don't and everybody would just rather like Oh, what is that? Like, oh, I don't want to get involved, yeah. and it's like, oh, like, or they'll pull their phone out. Yeah, and it's South, like, South Dakota people, <laughs> yeah, point, but point good people, <laughs> yeah, good people. So, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you had a great experience. There. Yeah. Now, pa parents are still there. Yep, yep. Parents are still there. Um, no more ranching. Like my dad just. They both decided, like, yeah, we're just too Turn old. city slickers? Yeah. No, not quite. They're out in town. They downsize okay. quite a bit. Um, and I, this is all relevant, and everybody will scoff at this, but they downsized to about 11 or 12 acres, which is compared oh. to, like, what we ran on the ranch is minor. That's barely yeah. a horse pasture. Yeah. Um, and so they downsized. And my mom, actually, she retired um, from the insurance business and tried the whole retirement thing. And they kind of had to force her out because she just maxed her time out. She didn't want to, and they, she kind of had to. Um, she tried the whole retirement thing for, I think that lasted about three months. She couldn't do it. 
she's like this is your dad's driving me crazy <laughs> I, I gotta get out of the house i i can't not work and uh so she actually ended up buying an assisted living home and has been running that ever since and still does to this day i mean they're in their oh, 70s that's awesome. and, and she's like i'm just not she's like, i don't know what i would do if i wasn't working like she just has to just do something giving person yeah that's so, awesome um, and that came about my grandma had Alzheimer's and, and was in a home and she was just there checking on her almost every day. And, um, it was, just wasn't a great place, but mm-hmm. then they're so expensive. And she was like, why am I, why am I paying for this? And it's terrible care. Like I could, is, you know, the classic, like how so many businesses start, like you mm-hmm. have an experience and you go, that was terrible. I could do this better. And then you just do it better. So mm. that's what she's that's doing awesome. now. That's awesome. Yeah, cool. Shout it. out to mom. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And dad's just um, trying to stay out of her hair. Of <laughs> well, I think she's happy she's out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just tries to stay out of her hair. Um, and he doesn't stop either. It's. Um, I don't uh, think ranch hands do Oh, though. it's terrible. He, um, funny story about when my fiance first met him for the first time. She came back home to South Dakota with me a few years ago. And. Um, He'd been done with this for a while, and he was just trying to help somebody. Um, and I think they're shipping calves. So you get the trucks, and it's classic. You're shipping calves, and it's muddy, and, and the truck gets stuck. Big you know, semi with a cattle pot. And um, somebody goes, grabs the tractor to start they And then they put the cattle on, and it, all that weight comes on and just sinks even farther. And the truck can't get out, and they got to use the tractor to pull them in and out. Guy hooks up the tractor, hooks up the chain. And, I mean, it is... Rule number one, stay the hell away from the rope, the chain, whatever it is you're trying to yank out. Nobody goes near it. If that thing snaps, like, yeah. that'll take a limb off, yeah, yeah. like a flip right. of a switch. And luckily, it was a tow rope. And um, he, my dad, hooked it up, and he stepped over the rope, and he was walking to get out of the way. And somebody gave the guy in the tractor or the truck, whoever's pulling that signal, to yank it. Oh. And, I mean, they had to, it wasn't, like, get tension on it and then try to pull it. It was, like, we need to, like hit this thing and like yank it up out of the hole and it was a classic like rope was bent and my dad was standing there and that thing went boom and it hit his leg and broke his leg basically oh my and God. he was like stuck in the mud too so it was like there wasn't a whole lot of give there but anyway broke his leg and I had to go get surgery on it and um he was <laughs> my Mackenzie and i flew in to rapid city my mom picked us up at like nine at night dad was out of surgery at nine and um, she's like, we got to go pick him up and we'll drive home from there. I was like, oh, cool, perfect timing. We go get dinner. He's in recovery and we get there. It's like 10, 10, 30 at this recovery place. Like nobody's there. And uh, the nurse comes out and she's like, all right, yep, he's all done. Um, he's just back there, kind of sitting there. Um, come on back. And Mackenzie, she's never met my parents, just met my mom. And they're inviting us back. And they, um, she's like, I'll just stay out here in the front. And like my mom's like, no, no, come on back. She's like, mm, I don't know if I feel that comfortable. Like, you just woke up from surgery. Like, I don't think I should meet him right now. I was like, yeah, totally come. The nurse was like, yeah, it's totally fine. Come on back. No problem. You egged her on also. Oh, I was like, yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> South Dakota. Yeah. I'm yeah, not just going to leave you out here by yourself. Here. Like, <laughs> yeah, come on out. Anyways, my dad was, if you've ever met somebody waking up from surgery and anesthesia, he was in La La Land or, as he says, uh, singing on a windmill. And just in another dimension, and the stuff that came out of his mouth probably isn't that repeatable here. But uh, my kids, he was like, so yeah, was, she was like, okay, yeah, nice to meet you. <laughs> this was a great situation. She was like, so yeah, should have stayed in the yeah. room. Yeah. It was great, but it makes for a funny story. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Anyways, we diverged a bit there, but um, yeah. 
Yeah, racing BMX in high school and stuff and kind of left team sports for it and upset a couple coaches. They mm-hmm. just, you know, they hate to lose players, period. Yeah. Um, you know, and guys off their team and stuff. So focused on BMX and it was like, I don't know, it, it was weird because it was really good at a, at a local level um, and then just getting my ass handed to me at a national level. Like I said, like the one time I made a main and raced Bubba Harris, I mean, just cleaned my clock. Like that, that had nothing for him. And I'm like, man, whew, this is hard. Like expert at home, no problem. Like expert at the national, like these guys are getting ready to go pro and they are smoking me. Yeah. But it was fun for the experience yeah. and right. stuff like that. So, and then, um, yeah, that, that ended due to a car accident on the way to the grands. Actually, we rolled the pickup with all my traveling buddies and stuff like that. And, um, our buddy that kind of got us into or into riding, uh, Rory's implement, he broke his neck in that accident. None of us had seatbelts on. It just, we just didn't wear seatbelts in. Got an accident, um, rolled the truck two and a half times, and oh luckily, gosh. like, uh, pretty lucky to be alive, really. Um, nobody had seatbelts on. Our, our buddy Jordan was laying down in the back seat um, sleeping, and then um, I went to just pass a car. It was a two-lane highway in Nebraska, like, and I grew up on those two-lane mm-hmm. roads. And I don't even know, going 65, 70, you know, just speed limit, maybe five over. And there's a car sitting in the lane, and they were just sitting there, no brake lights, no turn signal, no flashers. So you, you slow up just to kind of make sure, like, what's going on as we got closer. And then, um, you know, look, it's a two-lane road. I peered out. There's nobody coming, and so I just went to go around them. And at the last second, they just turned, went to turn down a gravel road, and I smoked them on the front clip of their car and they spun um and we we rolled two and a half times like i mean bikes coolers gear bags just yard sailed buddy in the back seat flew to the front um and then um basically i think through the roll they both flew to the back at some point behind me i was driving and when you looked at the pickup, I still have pictures of it. The entire, if you split the truck in half, long ways, the entire passenger side of the cab was like crushed down to like the the bottom of the seat, like mm. not even like the headrests, like down below. Wow. And so it was just like a freak, like chain of events that we even all, they thought I was dead because mm. we ended up upside down. They came to and crawled out and they were just yelling for me and I was out, I was knocked out. But I had, I was still holding on to the steering wheel. Like I had, um, I don't even know, like I think I'd like pulled some muscles or contusions in my forearms and they, they couldn't tell if it was from an impact or like gripping. Death grip. Just full death grip on that steering wheel. I was upside down, but when I came to, they were yelling my name and like there's just glass and smoke and fuel and dirt wow. and everything everywhere. So I let go, <clears throat> crawled out and kind of just assessed the damage. I was like, holy cow. So, or a buddy who broke his neck, you know, they took him to the hospital in an ambulance and then me and my buddy Jordan went to the hospital in another ambulance and it was a messed up situation. They eventually put the blame on me because I tried to pass at an intersection and the, it was a bunch of high school kids in the car. They were all high. <laughs> they all had weed on them and mercury. They'd like been sniffing or snorting, whatever you do with mercury. And yet they blamed you. Yeah, and then they were, one of the kids was in the bed next to my other buddy when the cop came and interviewed him, and I, I remember this to this day, the cop said, your mouth isn't as green as it was last time I picked you up, because I guess the kid had picked him up, or the cop had picked the kid up before, and the kid tried to eat his bag of weed, 
and stuff like that when he got busted. So it was just kind of a messed up situation. Like they didn't get in any trouble for that. Like cause yeah. of accident or blame of accident landed on me. And that was a whole mess of over Thanksgiving weekend too. So we didn't make it to the grands. My buddy broke his neck, ended up in the hospital. Me and my other buddy got cleared um, after getting checked out. And so we spent the night in a hotel room somewhere in Nebraska um, outside of Grand Island. So everybody will know And you place. were in the hospital? No, no. They, they released me and my other buddy. And then they had to do surgery on our other buddy and stuff like that. He's all good. I think they ended up just having a fused neck. But through that whole process, um, the position of you have to be in to ride a BMX bike, he couldn't do that anymore. And we all, like, worked at the local bike shop together. I was a little grom crushing boxes, but he was one of the main uh, mechanics there. And <clears throat> through that, like, recovery and everything like that, and then realized, like, he could still ride mountain bikes, a little more upright position. And so, and that became, like, a lot of his recovery. And eventually he got a downhill bike, um, Kona Stab Primo or Sneaky, mm-hmm. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the coolest thing in oh, the yeah. world. And then he actually had an intense M1 after that. And I remember just riding that with him, like running over a curb in the parking lot. I'm like, you can't even feel it. This is awesome. Yeah. And he's like, please don't run straight into the curb with my <laughs> bike. Like, it's like, I know it's a downhill bike, but don't do that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then that I eventually got a downhill bike because of that. It was kind of like one of those things where it's like, well, if we can't all ride together, it's not worth it. So we all stopped riding BMX and then just started riding mountain bikes. And then that's kind of where I just stuck okay. mountain bikes. I ended yeah, up joining the Marine Corps after that and um, and put the mountain bike away for a while. But as soon as I got out, like I pulled that thing out of storage and got yeah. right back to it. How long were you in the Marines? I just did one enlistment, so four years. Yeah. Four years, so... Um, but I know that was probably a big life change there too, right? Mm. I mean, you've, you've done... You've been off social media for a while, but I know one of your your last posts that I saw that you did, you just did, you know, brotherhood for for life, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. And so, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you took away from the the Marine Corps about, you know, carrying through your life? Oh man, it's so much. Um, I tell people now because I still talk about it all the time. Some people are probably sick of hearing. You know, well, because, well, in the Marine Corps, we did it this way and this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's like altering. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't help myself. It was, um, you know, I told tell people it's four years, but it was the most impactful four years of my life that still carries to this day. And they tell you while you're in, like, this is obviously like the brotherhood for life, this, that, and yeah. the other. But they're like, the things you do, say, and learn in the Marine Corps will, will stay with you forever. Yeah. And you hear it, and it's like being a teenager, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, like, later down the road, I'm like, I'm 35, and I still feels like yesterday I was in. Excuse me. And I still remember everybody. And I still remember lessons learned. And I still remember, like, doing things a certain way because of a certain reason. And how much that translates to real-world scenarios or scenarios outside of the military or Marine Corps in general. Um, And they tell you that. They're like, these are skills that are lifelong skills. They will go with you forever, no matter what job you have. These certain rules and skills apply across the board it doesn't matter what you're doing right. and <clears throat> it couldn't be more true yeah so i lean on that experience and that time all the time like yeah. it f- for everything yeah um, so. so when you, when you went in was it kind of your um was it to get out of south dakota for sure 100 yeah. percent. Yep. yeah a uh, very very stereotypical story yeah um i was sophomore in high school when 9-11 happened okay um so everybody knows, you know, that was around then, like, you'll remember where you were, what you were doing, mm-hmm. everything about that day. To this day, so I could I could walk you through probably from 
the time I left for school in the morning to when I found out like minute by minute. Um, but, and then everything kind of kicked off, you know, we went into Afghanistan first, um, as a country and then it, and then it quickly turned into going into Iraq. And I remember, so you were in, you were in the military, you were in the Marines when, no, 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 no I was okay. in high school. In He's high in school. high school. He's just, yeah. When I watched nine 11 happen and, um, it didn't click on my head, like we're going to war or anything like that. But over the next few years through 2003, you start seeing it more and more in the news and guys that I was friends with who were juniors and seniors were joined, they joined the army and a couple of Marines and like just joined the military and then going over to Iraq and coming back. And I was like, I remember my thought process. I was like, man, like good for those guys. Like that's so gnarly. Like, like I couldn't do that, but like, thank God we have people that will do that. Like, like kudos to them. They deserve everything. Um, and then like, as those next couple of years, like junior and senior year of high school went, it starts coming down to decision time. Got like people are applying to colleges and where are you going to go to school and what are you going to do? And it was like, I like, I didn't enjoy, I, I loved high school, like from a social aspect, I hated school. Um, wasn't that good at it. It didn't interest me. There was a few classes that did, um, and I did well in those, but it just wasn't for me. And I was like, I don't know if I can just roll into another four years of this, like with no idea what I want to do. Like everybody's like, well, you can just go like, just knock your general. Just don't, you don't shoot. And I'm like, why would I go spend all this money and have zero direction of, or any idea of what I want to do? So I was like, mm, college is off like pretty quickly. Um, and other than college, around those parts and it's the same story and it's not special to that that area but it's either we go to work you go to the mines at the time the oil business was booming so you go up to north dakota you could you could work on the the rigs um, and make probably close to six figures at the time you know as a 18 19 year old um or you go work in the mines over in wyoming um and uh, or you join the military and i would say it was like overwhelmingly everybody pretty much just went to college and then um <clears throat> out of everybody that's left like most everybody just went to the mines and the rigs and then there was a few of us who joined the military and at that time it was like um gosh how did i get wound up in that i was at the mall christmas shopping i think it was my senior year and um a or no it was after just after i graduated high school and a buddy of mine um his name's chris culver um, he'll never hear this, but, um, mm -hmm. he, um, he joined the Marine Corps, him and our other buddy, um, JD page. So they went to boot camp pretty close together, um, over the summer, came back, um, through Christmas and they were on like, uh, 10 days of leave after boot camp and they got recruiters assistance. So you get like an extra like few days at home if you get chosen for that. And, um, I was Christmas shopping through the mall and I ran into my buddy, Chris, He's like, dude, I'm supposed to bring three people in to the office today to like talk to the recruiter. I've got two. You'd be my last one, like, like, and I can go home. And it was like one or two in the afternoon. He's like, I would love to go home now instead of five o'clock. And uh, he's like, just come in, say hi. He's gonna try to convince you to join. Don't listen to anything he's saying. You don't have to join. Like, literally, do not join. Do not listen to anything he has to say. Like, already discouraging me. I was like, yeah, dude. And he's like we got a kegger tonight. Like we got a keg tonight. Like <laughs> we're, we're, I just need to get off work. We'll go home. Like we'll party. And I'm like, heck yeah, I'm stoked. <laughs> and so I was like, absolutely. I'll do this for you. So I go into the office and I mean, that recruiter is the hook, line and sinker. He got me right then and there. 
um, even even with the mindset of like I'm not signing up, I'm not doing anything. And there's it was a just, keg waiting. <laughs> there's a keg waiting for me. There's a keg waiting for me. Like just, just cold beer, cold beer, cold beer. Um, but uh, and it's uh, I mean that guy could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves. You know, the classic recruiter story. And um, so I didn't sign right then and there, but uh, he got my wheels turning for sure. I went home and it was oh, probably over the next month or so. And um, I actually just had knee surgery on my ACL, and so I couldn't join right then anyways. Um, and it was mandatory, I think, like nine or ten months of wait from date of surgery to when I could actually leave for boot camp. And, um, but I was convinced. I, I, I went to all the pooly functions and weekly PT and, like, just familiarized myself. I mean, I was all in. And the second that I could go to boot camp, I did. So. What did your mom and dad think? Oh, should have let him ride bulls. Yep, should have <laughs> let him ride bulls. Um, yeah, I mean, my mom didn't like the decision, but she, I think she pretty much knew, like, whenever I've had my mind made up, like, that's what I'm going to do, and there's really not a lot of change. Um, I was a little more hesitant to tell my dad. I think my mom told my dad, and I was laying in my room, and he came and knocked on my door and, and just walked in and said, uh, Penny, for your thoughts. I just I knew exactly what he was talking about. Yeah. But I looked at him and was like, What are you talking about? And he goes, You know what I'm talking about. And so um but, you know, he didn't want me to and, and the, you know, they both probably didn't want me to, but in the end, you know, I was I was an adult, I was gonna do what I was gonna do, I was gonna you know, I felt the need. I felt I just sat there and I said, um, you know, my whole view on it was like I I don't wanna be on the sidelines. I've never wanted to be on the sidelines. I've always wanted to be like wherever the action I wanted to ride bulls because that's where the action was like I wanted to race BMX because it was found and fast and like you know action oriented and like and that just attracted me I didn't want to be on the sidelines I didn't want to like look back in history and go like um well I would have joined but you know it was right. like I could tell like this is historical and I was like yeah. I don't I'm very much like a believer in um like you know, life's like a bank account, like anything is, like relationships and personal, professional, whatever. Like you, you can't just make withdrawal after withdrawal after withdrawal. Like you'll run out of money, you'll run out of anything. Like you yeah. have to be able to deposit and commit something in order to reap the like advantages of it. It's like just what I've been taught from a kid. Yeah. Like you can't have something for nothing. And yeah. um, this country is so like special to me and important. And, um, yeah, he chokes me up even looking back on it now. Like, yeah. I've never even choked up about this before, but, um, you know, people that don't live here, didn't grow up here, European stuff like that, they think Americans are cocky and arrogant, all that kind of stuff. And I get it. Like, it's that's pretty easy, like, assumption to make. But it's it just comes from a place of, like, patriotism and, like, love for your country. And so I just wanted to contribute to that. Like, I felt it was important for me to be able to um, – uh, do that in order to take advantages of the, the freedoms and everything we have here. Yeah. So, I mean, people ask, it's very easy to go like, why did you join? Like it's a terrible idea or, um, you know, and I've got my own opinions on whether the things were right or wrong, why we went this, that, and the other. It's like, you argue till you're blue in the face, but everything's in the past. You can't just sit there and dwell in the past. Yeah. Um, at the time, like that was were the reasons I wanted to join. It was, um, yeah. and that was it, you know, cause people look at it in hindsight, which, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's like, yeah, probably wouldn't have gone, probably shouldn't have done that. Mm. Or maybe we shouldn't have been there and stuff like that. But at the time with the information you're given, 
that was the best decision I could have made in my life. And I don't regret a single bit of it. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I couldn't be happier that I've done it. I, the lessons I've learned and the friendships that I have, I have people like between this job and that job, I have people worldwide. Like I'll always have a place to stay yeah. um, and always have a friendly face to knock on a door and say hi. Yeah. And, and when, when you joined, I mean, it was, you know, you were getting on that bull at yeah. PBR, <laughs> yeah. right? Pretty because much. I mean, yeah. we were, we were in the midst of yep. going to war. Yeah. Yeah. No, we so. were, we were a hundred percent in the thick of it right, yeah. right then and there. Yeah. And it was, um, but I mean, everybody knows it's like, that's exactly what you sign up for. Yeah. You know, yeah. and nobody's ignorant to it, to the fact nobody's hiding anything from you when you sign those papers. Yeah. It's right there in front of you. So, so four years in. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Was dad, the thoughts to dad, was it, was dad good with your thoughts? Um, I don't know if I expressed them probably at that age. Like, not, not that in depth. Yeah, or not that in depth. But yeah, I, I was sure just, it was something along the lines of, you know, I, I, this is something I feel I need to do. It, and it doesn't really matter what you tell me. Like, I'm going to go do it. Yeah. So. And you made him proud. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. So scared him to death a few times, I'm sure. Well, <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I was getting teary eyed with you because I wasn't looking at the camera because, you know, I come from, my, you met my dad. My dad thought yeah. it was the greatest, his whole thing of, being at snowshoes, he met a fellow Marine. Yeah. So, and my dad was in Vietnam. Talk mm-hmm. about what people say shouldn't have been a war. They don't call it a war. It was a disagreement. And, right. you know, of course, and right after that, I took my dad to the Vietnam Wall mm-hmm. in New York. We went driving over there. Never been there. Yeah. And he goes, I'm okay as long as I don't read names. Yeah. And my dad, because, you know, our height is all there. <laughs> my dad being five, two and a half and scrawny, skinny guy, he was a tunnel rat. Yeah. So... The dirty of the dirty, right? And so up until recently, I didn't hear some of the stories. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's pretty trippy to, yeah. to know. I didn't even know he was a tunnel rat until probably eight or nine years ago, yeah. to be yeah. honest with you. Like, n- never showed PTSD, any of that, but just that brotherhood. I, I knew what, growing up, if there was a war movie on, mm-hmm. he would change it because yeah. it, was, it wasn't like that. Like, you know, and the things he no. did. But other than that, but it's because of people like you that... Yeah, hindsight twenty twenty, you might not have won in, but it's people because of you. We do have these rights yeah. and freedom. No, so huge, if, huge props and thanks I see and gratitude same. because yeah, it, you so know, thank you for your service. Uh, I know exactly all those times. things that you just said. I think it's what the majority of people, uh, you know, we're we're raised in a culture in a country where, um, you know, that's <clears throat> that's for the people that that don't have anything else to go do, and it's like no, these people have something to do yeah, that, yeah. that feel very the majority of it. us don't have it in us to do oh the standing and on the flag the standing on the flag and burning so, the flag that i just want to go yeah, i'm yeah. willing to go to jail to kill people because <clears throat> yeah i know what my dad being a purple heart and shot in an ankle that he can't bend anymore like you, you know what i mean like go live in somebody's life that's been there and seen what you guys seen and it's like you come back here and it's like and really yeah yep. they leave you know what i mean so the same yep. thing so like it, you said we all that stuff boils down to it and i've put beyond way too much thought into this than anybody should but it boils down to one word i've decided and that's perspective and it, and you can apply that to just about anything it's oh, yeah. it's based on your perspective and it's hard to like very easy for me to get upset about somebody doing that to the flag as well um but like as i've grown older to look at both sides of things it's like they just lack perspective um and i do too but you know it's not yeah. like i've i've the know-all be-all of perspectiveness, right. Right. you know. Right. Um, I, I lack perspective in many areas of my life um, that I don't understand. But it's just that. It's just a, not a misunderstanding. It's just 
uh, lack of perspective. They yeah. haven't seen or experienced or or appreciate or, or know the full yeah. picture, yeah. like right. the full circle. You well, know, exactly. they're they're looking at a very small portion yeah. of it, and they're acting on what they're what they see, and and they feel they're they're doing the right thing, yeah. um, and and standing up for something. And for that, it's like good for you, you know. Um, yeah. But but where they failed to realize is like there's a lot of people that do the same thing, just not on the same subject as yeah. them. Right. And so if you right. keep that in mind, it's kind of like, okay, like I can see where they're coming from. Fires me up, but it's oh, just yeah. a perspective. Yeah. <laughs> you know? All right. So we did team sports, South Dakota, BMX, car right. crash. <laughs> right. Marines. Yep. Perspective. Let's, uh, perspective. Let's take a break let's and get take some our, tissue. Yeah, let's take our commercial break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to dive into uh, how you end up in California and... In the, in the shoes that you're wearing now. Yep. Hey, getting to hang out with us. That's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How much thought have you put into your mountain bike suspension? Most riders set the air pressures, and that's the last time they ever think about it. But why not make the most of the technology inside your bike's fork and shop? The crew at Trail Tune Suspension can help you dial in your ride with factory-level service and tuning, complete with data acquisition equipment to really analyze your needs based on your skill, speed, height, weight, and riding locale. Fast turnaround times, competitive pricing, and free return shipping inside of Southern California make the Trail Tune Suspension Crew the obvious choice to get your ride dialed in. Support local homegrown businesses. Check them out at trailtunesuspension.com. And we're back. Thank you, Trail Tune, for the commercial. And speaking of sponsors and commercials, uh, the, our other sponsor, Kenda. Um, go to Kenda, Kenda bi- bi- Bicycle bi- Tires. Com. Yeah, Kenda.com. Enter the code HUCKINRIDE30, H-U-C-K, the letter N, R-I-D-E, 3-0, and get 30% off of your tire order course we've talked about this every episode supply chain uh you know limited to what's what's available what's available um but use that code helps us out thank you kenda for your sponsorship thank you trail tuned trail tuned that we talked about um sending your suspension and local to southern california you get it back within the week quick turnaround times shipping is free back Um, to you he's a vet too yep he is he's a he's a fellow marine as well fellow marine so So, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, there we go. And all that noise that you're hearing in the background today. uh, (laughs) It's a bring your dog to work day. Yeah, yeah, we we got Huck, and and I've talked about Huck on the program before because it's obviously Huck and Ride. But, yeah, Huck, um, he got fixed a couple weeks ago, and he's still got the cone of shame on, and he's (laughs) he's wandering around bumping into things with his cone. When he goes to pick his toy up, the cone literally just <laughs> like covers the ground exactly. Yeah, because he's not big, so yeah. it's like so, yeah. stretching the neck. So that's what you hear. Yeah, that's yeah, the noise going on here. But. And we're back with Mr. Juan John Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I actually do call him Juan at times. I'm like, oh, we're going with Juan Hall. I'm like, oh, John Hall, sorry. There's yeah. some people who are like, I, I thought that was your real name. Really? <laughs> like, Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Southern California. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, just a nickname I've had since high school. Okay. Yep. I like it. All right. So, um, you're in the Marines for four years. What happens after that? 
Um, yeah, so I got out in 2009, and um, I don't know. I was uh, I got out of South Dakota for a reason. Um, could have mm-hmm. gone back pretty easily, but I didn't feel like there's anything back there for me. Um, and I <clears throat> I should say when I first came to California, I hated it. Hated it. Every, I thought everybody's trying to run me over. Everybody's an asshole. Nobody waves. Smell your neighbor's farts because the houses are six inches apart. Like it, I was just like, this is hectic. And mind you, my first ever experience of California was Hollywood. And I'm just, oh, oh yeah. There's piss running down the gutters and yeah. just stinks. And like, I'm like, dude, what in the world? Um, so in the Marine Corps, I was, you get three choices essentially of your duty station that's east coast west coast or japan and so i was like well i joined for travel and experience stuff like that i was like number one japan for sure i was like number two east coast and dear lord please don't let me get california (laughs) and west coast because camp pendleton and we got orders and it was they called my name and they said uh third battalion fifth marines camp pendleton and i was like oh are you freaking kidding me you're like, God, did you hear me? Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it's just the Marine Corps and the way they love to work. They're like, where don't you want to go? Cool. That's where you're going. Yeah. Like, yeah. that type of thing. Uh, a little bit of reverse psychology for anybody going in. Um, put where you don't want to go. Um, as where as, as where you want to go. <laughs> so, um, anyways, ended up out here in Camp Hamilton and got out and, um, yeah, just decided. Uh, my time out here, I had spent in the Marine Corps and stuff like that. I got to see other places other than Hollywood. Um, yeah. Obviously Oceanside, but that's full of Marines and you try to get as far away from there as possible on the weekends. Um, my unit, um, three, five was just off of San Onofre, um, by San Clemente. So the, basically the last exit where the Carl jr. Is <clears throat> local people will know. Um, that was kind of where I worked. And, um, so I spent a lot of time in San Clemente and really started to enjoy that type of town and that vibe. I was like, okay, California's pretty cool. So, by the time I got out, I had enough experience and like gone to other places in Orange County and San Diego and LA and stuff and kind of realized like what I like and don't like. And, um, so I was like, well, got out, joined to leave for a reason. I don't really want to go back. So I try to make it out here. Um, and outside of the Marine Corps, just getting out, like the transition's hard enough, but to do it in California was even harder. Like trying to find a job, everything's super expensive. Um, just trying to find a skill relatable like anything so um i used to build houses through high school and stuff like that and just enjoyed working with my hands i also worked at bike shops but um we did concrete a lot so i found some job doing concrete and hated it because i don't know i was like eight or nine bucks an hour or something like that like just barely over minimum wage i was like why am i doing this like i am busting my back six days a week for barely over minimum wage doing concrete and i'm like i can't do this and so i just popped in my head one day i was like dude bike shop like i've worked in a shop before i could work in a shop again it's air conditioned and i could get <laughs> paid the same amount and i'm like and i'm not just outside i'm not doing concrete and i'm like done so i applied the shop in hemet uh got the job and it's funny, like the test was basically like the manager was, uh, oh, hey buddy. Yeah. And uh, <clears> the <throat> manager, Brian, still friends with him to this day, he's a great guy. Um, he's back in the kind of corporate marketing world now, but um, he's a short store manager. And he set a bike up um, and messed some things up on it. And it was basically like 
go over the bike, see if you can find, tell me what's wrong with it. And right. he had the list and I go through, it's all obvious stuff. Like derailleur was out of like limit screws. Um, I think a loose bolt or something like that and a loose pedal, maybe a loose crank, just like loose bolts, stuff like that. Um, and I went through and, and I, and I found everything I, I could find and wrote everything down that I found. And I actually found like three or four things that he hadn't messed up that were wrong. And he was like, I like, I didn't even know like that was, wrong. he's like, all right, you're hired. So I worked there. Um, and it just kind of like, it was a, if you know Hammett, it's not a great town. Um, right. a lot of sketchiness there and it wasn't like a high end shop, wasn't low end either. Um, but I, I learned so much there working on so many different bikes and I love the people that I work with. Um, one of the guys is Steven Bafis, um, and then the manager, Brian, and like, they were just so cool. It was like kind of one of the things where it was like the job might've sucked, but the people you worked with were awesome. So it just made it worth it. Yeah. yeah um, I love exactly. going to work with those guys every day. Um, and it's fun. It was just crazy. It was like mind blowing to me because uh, Stephen was actually living with Mike Metzger at the time, or just moved out from living with him. And I was just like, "What? Like, you like you know Mike Metzger?" I'm like, "That's insane." And you have to remember, like, I'd been away from bikes in the industry for four, five, six years, <clears throat> and um, the last time I was really into it, I was living in South Dakota, and my closest, like, I flipped through magazines and like see you know i flip through the moto magazines i'd see what the moto guys and supercross guys were doing and stuff like that and you'd see you know sheep hills like you'd be flipping through bmx plus and be like huntington beach like wow sheep hills is so cool like be a dream to go there one day and then like now i'm like out and i'm in temecula you know and you stop at a stoplight and you look over and there's brian deegan and you're just like what like my mind was just blown like are you freaking kidding me i'm like brian deegan's right there like oh my like just fanning out you know well yeah and um and then after a while it starts to wear off because it's like this it's just southern california so many teams and like i still fan out over motocross and supercross when i get to meet guys um, oh yeah and lucky enough now we're like um where aaron gets invited to places and stuff like that everybody knows aaron all those like he's like you want to go i'm like yes (laughs) (laughs) but it's like you know you get to go into um back before geico honda and like go in the geico honda trailer and dudes are like oh you're a mechanic like the mechanic will be like come here i know you'll appreciate this and they'll take you around show you everything so i'm just like oh dude i'm still just geeking out on all this stuff like that how rad um and getting to go ride with like like road mountain bikes with dungy one day um, or Aaron and Aaron and Dungey did like a little filming thing with the yeah. taser on the intense. And I was out there just just making sure everything went good and um, and even all that if kind it, of stuff. Even if he didn't need you, you're going out there for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Christy and Intense was like, "Hey, would you mind going out there and just like lending a hand, just you know, make sure the pressures are right, like help Brian set its suspension up, just so it's not like an out of the box bike and stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm totally, absolutely." And go out there and met Dungey for the first time, and I'm like, "It's just I still get those moments, like not really like fan girling out anymore, but." Like, I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, this is so cool. Like, I'm just out here at Vail. It's me, Aaron, a filmer, Dungey, and, like, Jeff Myshack. And who's, um, those of you who don't know, was at the time part owner of Geico Honda and just, like, an incredible contributor to mountain biking and moto and, like, all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, and nobody's here. Like, yeah. it's just us. I'm like, and Ryan's so cool. Like, he is exactly what he's like how you would imagine him like mm-hmm. you know he's the nicest guy he's super cool down to earth like another midwest guy just yep that... <laughs> midwest, yep midwest dude and um loves coffee and so it's like shoots over it's like you guys want to go to coffee yep cool go starbucks like sit down and like just 
basically sitting there talking with Aaron Gwynn and Ryan Dungey over a cup of coffee for like an hour. And I'm like, this is, yep, this is cool. Like, this is still really cool. Like, it hasn't worn yeah. off yet. Like, this is awesome. Um, and so it's brought a lot of cool opportunities like that. Yeah. Well, um, we, we fan out like that, too. Because yeah. Oh, for sure. And, I mean, it's it, plenty of times been with Aaron. You know, even knowing Aaron now for I just however many years. But, you know, uh, so I'll go back. I remember um, when I'm going to Mount St. Anna for the first time. So I'm already excited because it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, I've yeah. been running this this local team for this many years, and now I've got racers that are going to go race at a World Cup, right, juniors. Yep. And so I'm doing this whole new experience for me at the airport in Philadelphia, and I see John sitting there. And I look, and I go, oh, John's sitting next to Jordy. Okay, that's cool. And I go, and I sit down, and I'm like, and Nancy and Haley are with me. So I'm like, oh, this is this is Gwen's mechanic. This is John and this is Jordy. And I look and Aaron, I think, was on the phone or something. He like turned like this and he turned. I sat right next to Aaron and he turns and he looks. He's like, hey. I'm just like, okay, yeah. Talk about a fanboy yeah. geek moment. And I'm like, yeah. cool. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> how you look at some of those people. That's how you're looked at. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. I mean, I chip out on that too because here you guys are in our back doors, right? Like, yep. So, yeah. I mean, I did the same thing because just recently I talked to Villapoto. Villapoto, mm. and I was like, Jay, I just had a full-on conversation with Villapoto over the phone, and we actually talked back and forth. He's like, what? Yeah. You know what I'm like? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and so in the bike, the bike world and the moto world, like, yeah, we do have that interaction a little more, so it's not full-on. But yeah. it's still there. But I had a moment. Oh. I had a moment that uh, Lala was working at a shop, and they had a lot of a lot of people in the movie industry would come through there. Usually, mm. usually like stunt people or people that work on sets like that. But yeah. but just a lot of movie industry people would come through the shop. And John Hedder, Napoleon oh. Dynamite, yeah, used to go to the shop. Sick. And so I'm out on a ride. I'm riding my local ride, and I had talked to her right before I went to ride. I go, hey, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be riding for like an hour and a half, so. You know, don't call me, yep. whatever. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. Like 20 minutes in, I'm like grinding up the climb, and she's blowing me up. And I'm, just, and it's like a FaceTime call, and I'm just like, I'm not and answering. And I never FaceTime. Like, dude, I'm on a I'm ride. Like, I'm not, I'm not answering this right now. It's like the third time she's, like, it just keeps going. Like, All right. So I stop, pull over, turn on FaceTime, answer the FaceTime call. It's John Hedder's face. <laughs> just like, it's like, what are you doing, you idiot? Like, full-on Napoleon, right? And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. What's up? Like, seriously? He's like, you told them, what, what are you wearing a helmet for? You're an idiot. Yeah. Like, and they, then they did the whole sketch back and forth, and I was just like, oh, oh my God. Yeah, so that was that was for sure. That's cool. Yeah. That yeah. Was, That's the cool that thing about bikes in general is, like, you forget that people, like, they're just people. Like, no yeah. matter who they are. And, yeah. like, they have interests and hobbies outside of their job that they enjoy whether yeah. it's surfing golf cycling like right they'll have that kind of stuff and i remember seeing i forget it was some shop in la maybe but uh robin williams like would yeah. frequent quite a bit he yeah. was like into riding road bikes and yeah. stuff and he'd come in and get fit and i'm like how cool is that like those dudes like imagine just I'm like i know what it's like to work in a shop and just like your everyday customer coming in and out in and out every day and all of a sudden like robin williams walks right. through the door like my jaw would hit the floor so. right um yeah so, but Reg, Reggie Miller rides a lot, and yeah, I know Reggie. Yeah, huge. And, and it's so funny because 
I was like, oh yeah, Reggie. And he's know. such a fan of mountain biking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like he, he knows well, it, more than I probably know. He gives me hugs. Yeah, he's like, my Lala, like we're totally good. And yeah. it's like, but it's Reggie. Like that I, was I the love coolest thing ever to be yeah. for, for to be at Fontana racing the sport class in cross country. And I'm lined up next to Reggie Miller. And I'm yeah. going, this guy was like at the top of the top. Like he was, he was the guy that they signed to build a whole team around. Right. right? Yeah. And he's racing sport at yep. Fontana. Hoping not to go Hoping to get back. a medal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, I'm just like, And I did this the is kids rad. race, so I have both his kids. So I, it's so yeah. funny. Like, yeah. It's oh, so he, he brings a whole family out, man. It's so cool with, like what he's yeah. done for that kind of stuff. And it's cool. Like like you said, I've chatted with him at local races and stuff like that. Just through And he proxy. looks up to like you. Like he looks up to you yeah. and Aaron and all this. And it's like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's like, how do you even know who some of these people, like, okay. And then it's like that night or the next night and you're watching an NBA game TNT. and he's commenting he's all- and I'm, I'm just like what in the world and I'm, I'm like quick story but I remember through grade school a buddy of mine that I was in school with and he was I mean he was the quarterback Billy McDonald man I'll, I'll never forget him he's just good at everything and um, he was the biggest Indiana Pacers fan ever like he wore the hat like through like the hat that he had in like third grade like he was wearing every day as a senior in high school. Like that hat went through the years. And I just remember, I'm like, oh, dude, if he could know, I'd like, I've lost touch with him since high school. I've yeah. never talked to him since, but I was like, if that dude knew like that, I've like met Reggie Miller at just like a, such a common area over like yeah. something dumb, yeah, yeah. like a mountain bike race. He, <laughs> like talk about a fangirl, that dude probably be losing his crap. My, my nephew was like that. And then um, Reggie's, I like, call him. And so we called my nephew one time on phone. He's like, you be nice to your auntie. And, <laughs> My nephew was like, holy oh. cow. Yeah, like he's like, I just talked you, yeah. like uh, the words, right? Mine was Shamar Moore mm-hmm. from um, SWAT. SWAT. Okay. And he's out there and bought a Pinarello, totally helped him. And um, he's like, all right, you want to. I said, he was going on set, so I got to go on the set of SWAT. He comes out in his, his uh, police outfit. I'm like, Whew. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> sister and father in love with him, yeah. and they're like, "Take me." I'm like, "Nah, you mm. got you are crazy." Yeah, <laughs> no, not gonna be the crazy person. Yeah, and so then he goes, "All right, bring the stuff over to the house." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so he gives me his address. I go to his house, and we had to do a couple of adjustments and put his garment on. And I took one of my employees. And he's like, "Dude, I'm just a I'm just a normal guy mm-hmm. with a really cool job." Yeah, totally real. Like, yeah. and I've been there a couple times, but I was just like. I'm in yep. little, I'm, little I'm surreal. Peeing, I'm peeing on his toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Not on the lid, but I got to sit on his. Hope you know. cleaned up. Shamar, I love you. You know that. Um, but it, we text back and forth too. Like, he's a great guy. Yeah. Like, so. That's just a cool thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, everybody can bond over. Like, it's our life, it's our careers and stuff. But um, yeah, to see so many cool people worldwide or doesn't matter who they are they can gather around bikes and and enjoy the same thing and yeah. get the same view out of you know you're on the same page as them it's right. like, that's cool yeah. well i know you're looked at like that and, and not just the writer i mean you're the mechanic but and you're aaron Glenn's mechanic like when everybody introduced you but here i've seen kids come up to you i've seen like you know and there's people that's been like that i've had as employees like Oh yeah, I want to have a box like John, because you do toolbox wars. You get the button, you get like, like they were like, have you seen it? Like they'd come to work talking about when that when that Instagram went up, yeah, and yours was like featured. It was like Abby Tools. 
can, can we get happy tools, Lala? Like, you know, this one, why do you have a hammer and the one that Heck fits yeah. inside it? Because John said I needed it. John told him he needed that. Like, hey, if everybody could let Jason know at Abby Bike Tools, <laughs> all of that, that'd be great. Oh, yeah. Tell him I sent you. Yeah, yeah. He'll love it. That's why. Well, Jay- John, John, I think he sent you the list and he's like, I'm not sure that this hammer's a necessity, but. Jay's got to have it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty rad. Yeah, letting you know at Abby Tools, he definitely gave me the list and you guys were on there. And oh, yeah. Jason now has it in his. And it was supposed to be, you know, like a toolbox like he takes, but like he doesn't want anyone touching yeah, anything. Yeah, no one gets to touch it. It's He's my like... toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, As it should be. Well, yeah. when you know, we first just gave him the blade and the foam and I was like, okay, your box will come later. And then, you know, everyone kicked in and got him his box and I was like, okay, here you go. I said, you still need to get this stuff, but I didn't know which ones. Yeah. But here's John's list. <laughs> and so enough, he went there and just started buying everything you said. Oh, I'm like, that was all right, rad. there you go. That was fun. So yeah. So yeah. all right. All right. So you're working at the bike shop in Hammett. Yep. Um, transferred to a new shop in Temecula. Okay. Um, just kind of a upgrade. The, the manager at the shop in Hammett was actually had interviewed and talked about going down there to manage it and decided to go back to the corporate world instead. And I think. We're like open enough. Talk about a boss where I could be like, man, I do not like it here. Like, and he goes, I understand. Like, and what can I do to help you like improve or or move on or whatever? I was like, I feel like I just need to get out of this town and like this shop and stuff. And he goes, well, hey, I applied to this shop down. It's a new shop in in Temecula. Just didn't work out for me. I think I'm going to head out of here and and go back to the corporate world. And he's like, you should go apply there. So I took a day off and I went down there and applied. And I mean, they were had only been open for maybe they'd been working and like building it and and doing what you have to do to open a shop from scratch. But I think open, open maybe a year or something like that. Like they were still pretty, maybe under a year. No, it was under a year because, um, it was shortly after I was hired where they had like their one year party. Okay. Um, So not even a year. Is this the bike shop? Yep. It's called the bike shop. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was father, son, Rick and Rich Wessels. Um, and they were actually, I think, trying to open a motorcycle dealership because um, his dad, Rick, was a desert racer and um, forget what district. But um, what was it? Um, uh, NCY, like North County Yamaha, mm-hmm. was like always going down in there mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think they were going to try to open like a KTM shop in Temecula. And it, from what I gather, it just wasn't going to be worth it or didn't work out. So they decided to do the bike shop. Um, cause son, uh, Rich had, uh, worked at, what was it? Performance or something like that, mm-hmm. or maybe managed down there at one point. Um, and so anyways, they opened, I went down there and applied and I talked to Rich and I was just kind of shooting the crap with him. He, he didn't know that I was looking for a job or anything. I just went in there, check it out. And I got up the courage to say like, you guys wouldn't be having to look for any like mechanics or anything, would you? And he's like, no, not right now. Like kind of just open. He's like, well, maybe, I don't know. Why? <laughs> and just looked at him, just finally just went, why? And I was like, I kind of told him a story. And he's like, all right, well, you want to come back and interview and then we'll just take it from there. He's like, we're not really looking, but we could potentially use it. Like things are starting to pick up. You, know, you could tell where like they're still in building phase. Like, do we really need to like spend money to hire somebody again? Right. Like, do we really need it? Like kind of trying to forecast where what's coming down the pipeline. And like right now, no, but if we get the work we're trying to get, done like yes we're going to need somebody so went down there and interviewed and it went well and, and they said yeah we'll we'll hire you and brought me on and said we'll start you here which was like three or four more dollars an hour i was making anyways and i was like sweet like i was pumped on rolling. that yeah, rolling. <laughs> right 
And uh, he's like, we'll start you there. And after like three months, like, you know, if everything goes well, we'll bump you up another couple bucks. And they did. They stuck to that word. And it was just such a fun shop to work for. Um, Jailed really well there. And it was just constant growth, just growth, 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 Mm -hmm. growth, growth. And building, building, building. And we started going to like, you know, local races and just, um, just local support and that kind of stuff. And it was super fun. We were going to like try races and cross races and all the mountain bike race. Yep. Just living that. Like, like I I would actually have days off on the weekends and I would go to the race just to volunteer to like help and work on bikes and stuff like that. Under the tent. Yep. (laughs) Under the tent. Like I just loved being at races, even if I wasn't working or racing, like I would just hang out. Um, and so, and I've always loved that. Um, and through that shop, I, uh, I met Rich Houseman, um, and he brought a bike in I think he was, I mean, his, he was still racing, but he had a little deal with intense. He wasn't like, wasn't doing national yeah. world cups or anything. Yeah. He was just trying to have fun again and, and keep racing and have the day job type of situation. But I remember he came in and it wasn't like, you have to remember, like I got into mountain biking for like a year before I left for the Marine Corps Mm -hmm. and like, I didn't really follow the racing or look into it. Like I didn't know what was going on and that was early 2000s. So that would have been like Norba heydays. No idea that was going on. No relevance to it all. And then I was in the Marine Corps and then like got out and then it was like a year or two before I was even at a shop. And then that's when I started like, so probably around like 2011 ish, I would say, give or take a year, like is where I really started like picking up on mountain biking again. Um, and like caring about what's going on in the industry and what races and who's who and the racers and world cups and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so when Rich Houseman came in, I didn't know who he was, but when he came in, he just needed like a quick, like a little bleed on his brakes or something like that. Um, but I recognized him and I didn't help him because I recognized him or I knew who he was. I just happened to have a moment in between repairs and he just needed like quick cup bleed, like, and we're just you know how it is like you've got friggin' 20 tickets to do today yeah got all these tickets or all these get tickets this guy in and out of and here. it's like yeah this i can just get this dude in and out like help him out you don't know. write up another one yeah it's like dude i already have three tickets it's just a break bleed if i put him in the schedule it's i can't get to it until like next tuesday according to like all the tickets for the oh, days yeah. and stuff and i'm like i'll just knock it out like real quick or something like that so i just knock it out he's stoked because it's like just got to bring my bike in i'm in and out um, and then I was like, man, I don't like, I, he left and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, this looks so just one of those moments where I'm like, it looks so familiar. I've seen that dude somewhere. Um, and then whatever, I don't know if I saw a poster or if one of the guys there recognized him, said it was Rich Houseman and then looked him up or something. And I was like, Oh, kind of just came like, dude. Yeah. I know who that dude is. Like, that makes sense. I was like, well, sick. I'm glad I got, got to help him. And it's like two days later, he's back in there with his, with Gary's bike, his brother. <laughs> And he's like, hey, this is my brother's bike. Like, it needs a couple of quick things, too. Like, would you mind? And I was like, sure, for sure. Yeah, you know, I know who you are. Like, you were an athlete. Like, you're pretty used to this kind of stuff. Like, happy to help, for sure. And then that just grew into um, a friendship with him. And I was still living in Hemet and commuting back and forth between Temecula and Hemet to work in the shop. And I got, I was like, I know I'm getting paid more, but, like, the raise was is just offsetting my fuel costs. So I'm still kind of, like just level zero here. And so I was like, I need to move to Temecula, um, closer to work. And I found, um, I, I met Chappie Feeney, um, 
and from the shop, he was still racing supercross or trying to like full privateer life, um, and trying to make it. And he's using mountain biking's training, but <clears throat> really good mountain biker. And, um, oh, yeah. and so the shop owner was like, Hey, Chappie, meet John. It, like happened to be in the shop the same day. Like you guys should hang out. Like, like I know you guys are both good mountain bikers. Like you guys have fun riding together. I'm like, cool. Set a bride day, rode with him. I'm like, this dude's way better than I am. <laughs> like, not even close to riding as good as that dude. I don't know what my boss was thinking. Like, and Chappie's probably like, I thought he said this dude was good. <laughs> I'm like, who the hell is this kid, dude? But anyways, Chappie and I uh, became real good friends. Um, yeah, I was say that, that led to a really good friendship. Yep, and and we ended up getting a place in Temecula together just through riding friendship. And he was looking for a place, um, and I was looking for a place. I was like, well, let's just try to find a house together then. So we find one. Um, and then I don't know how we found out, but it was like, I had no idea where Rich lived. I'd never been to his house. And Chappie and I had, like, secured this place, put the deposit down, moved in. And then um, it was – Rich was like, hey, like, instead of just bringing my bike, he's like, would you mind just uh, stopping over the place or something like that? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And um, I think he needed help when he was doing, like, the ODI Trek team mm-hmm. with the junior kids. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, I could use, like, a little help on a couple of the bikes. Would you mind just stopping by after work and, and showing me how to do it? So he's like, you don't have to. He's like, just – stop for a minute so, yeah give me your address um and, look, and i'm like dude you live like six houses down from me like oh, no we had moved into this house in this exact same neighborhood as rich like if i were to walk it'd be a five minute walk maybe up to his house yeah. so i could ride oh, my bike awesome. and be there in two minutes um and so i was like wow and he's like if you know rich he's like Yes, yeah. I got a mechanic <laughs> right down the street from me. I am in heaven. Like, right. heck yes. And so. Bonus. Uh, bonus, yep. Yeah. And then, um, you know, Gwenny went from, I met I met Aaron, I think once or twice, um, just through the ODI Trek thing. And Rich was helping him out um, with contract stuff a little mm-hmm. bit at the time. Um, and and the then, ODI Trek thing was a. Junior, was that the junior program? That was a junior development program that Rich was kind of like running and doing. Um, yeah, I mean, is that like Charlie Harrison was like yep. 14, 13, 14 uh, at the time? Maybe younger than that yeah. even. Yeah. I think, yeah, Charlie showed up to Fontana on an intense, like an M16 or yeah. M9 maybe. Yeah. Um, and Rich found him through like a yeah. like a riding camp yeah. in Fontana. Yeah, it was like, like this kid's Shane got Shane Leslie. It. Yep. Uh, Schroeder. So, so Schroeder. Trek, the ODI Trek, junior development team was um i think john buckle was on there um i think logan mulally and nico was on the factory yeah. program yeah. as like a junior but his brother logan was on the uh-huh. track odi track yeah. um and charlie harrison and jason schroeder yeah and then the whole deal went down where aaron left track and went to specialize and that while that whole process was happening nobody knew what was happening but rich and i like we're drinking buddies in the garage at this point. And he's telling me, he's like, you no, can't. you're drinking mechanic buddies. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he and was drinking, you were drinking, you were wrenching. <laughs> yeah, totally safe. Um, and so, um, yeah, he's he's kind of giving me the lowdown on how things are going and stuff. And I was like, are you serious? Like, he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm telling you, like, the people we're dealing with, myself and Aaron, and now you are the only ones that know that Aaron's going to specialize, like, you cannot do not say anything and i was like just terrified to even like bring it up but and i never did but um i was like that was another one of those moments where i was like i have this crazy insider information right now that is going to 
break the internet when it drops. Yeah. And I'm like, this is going to be crazy. Like California, yes. Yeah. I was like, this is just so cool to be involved or even just knowledge of it and in and around it. And I'm like, man, it's so cool to just be around people in the industry right. like that are that high and um and well regarded and stuff like that. And so I was just pumped to be there. So that whole deal goes down. The ODI track team becomes the ODI specialized development team and it's like uh, Charlie Harrison, Jason Schroeder, and Shane Leslie, um, mm-hmm. those three. And so I, I kind of just helped them a little bit. I wasn't like the official team mechanic, but Rich is like, hey, man, can you help us, you know, build the team bikes when I get all the frames and the parts in from the sponsors? And I was like, heck, yeah, like that's a dream. As a mechanic, like anybody that doesn't know, to be able to essentially just be like, here's five frames and five parts kits, and it's all the right stuff. It's all fit. You just have to like unbox everything and grease it. Like unbox a new part, fresh grease onto a new part, like new parts on new parts. I'm just like, this is the dream. Like I'd love the, when, when customers would have like custom builds or you'd get to build a right. bike from the frame up right. in the shop, which was like once or twice a year. I was just like, yes, this is, this is perfect. Cause you're always as a shop mechanic, like you're just making things work. Oh, like yeah. you're, you're just yeah. tweaking. You're just trying to get a little extra life out of something. And you're just trying to like, just get it going. Cause nobody Especially ever wants to spend be, money. Be happy. You're not a, a bike shop mechanic these days. Yeah. Well, right. Oh yeah. 12 speed chains. Way harder. Yeah. Good luck. Not, yep. not around. Not yep. to be found. Yep. And so I always <laughs> say though, cause people ask a lot of, one of the main questions is, you know, what's the difference or, um, you know, who's a better mechanic, a shop mechanic or a race mechanic or something like that. And dude, I will 100% every time say shop mechanic is, is always better than race MacGyver. mechanic. Yep. You, there's so much more experience needed as a shop mechanic and, and, uh, you know, broad band of mm-hmm. knowledge across all platforms, mm-hmm. all bikes, yeah. all suspension. Right. Every brand, every company, every component, you you better know yeah. everything about all of it, what's compatible with what, right. what doesn't, because yeah. some of them are compatible, some of them aren't. What do you have in stock? What don't you? What can you make work? What can you squeeze a little more life out of? What do you, like, no, do not squeeze any more life out of that? You, like, no questions about it. Replace it, you know. Well, collectively, I, too. Like, I mean, I have a crew, and um, it's so funny because... One of them is, remember trick tops on the caps, the crowns and all that? So Jimmy Pratt started that company Mm -hmm. and he sold it. He's one of my employees. And it's so funny because collectively, I've got these ones like, if this one doesn't know what this one does, if this, and then they come to me and they're like, Lala, have you ever seen this? I'm like, oh, try this. And we just had one the other day. They're like, we don't think that's going to work, but okay. They come back. They're like, it worked. It worked. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I've just been around things enough. Like, yeah. I'm good problem but, solving. But yeah, all right? of you feed off each other. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to go on my soapbox real quick because you were touching on something <laughs> about bike shop mechanics and bike shop employees in general, I think, are like mm-hmm. totally so underpaid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because when you when you look at it, just use the car industry, mm-hmm. you know, automotive industry. You go to a, a automotive dealer, that mechanic, what their hourly rate is. Bike shop mechanics are now required to do all that same type of schooling or online classes, yep. all that stuff, because you have Component elect- training. electronic shifting, yep. all this stuff that they have to know now. I mean, they're wiring bikes, e-bikes, yep. you know, trying to trying to put a... Reprogramming a, computers re- and Yeah, and- you know, and they're, they're, <clears throat> all this is asked of them, but the pay is still... Yep. Yeah. It's, Anyhow, you know, it's not just yeah. bike shop. I, that's industry wide. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think it's, um, 
it's it's a tough subject you know because yeah. it require it would require some transparency which yeah. not everybody's comfortable with right. in terms of financial stuff um but yeah i think across the board top to bottom yeah. uh, i think the industry is is underpaid yeah. um but the reason for that and is is the love and passion behind it. Yeah. You know, there's always somebody that will just come in and do it right. for nothing. Right. Um, because they're like, they yeah. don't either a, they don't need the money or b they're up and coming and they're younger. Yeah. Um, and they're just trying to get the foot in the door, right. which is fine. Um, and they're just like, there's, there's a thousand people that would line up underneath me to take my job. Right. Right. And, and it almost goes for any job, even as a like shop employee, you yeah. know, and it's, <clears throat> you can't blame any brands no. or companies no. for trying to get the most bang for their buck. Sure. Um, but the way I look at it is like, if, if brands and companies would invest more into that, um, they wouldn't lose the, the width of knowledge mm-hmm. that, you know, there's people who have spent 10, 15 years in the industry and they're just going like, I am still scraping by, saving no money, living paycheck to paycheck. And they do a lateral move to a different industry doing the same work and double their salary. Well, you just lost all that experience mm-hmm. and knowledge from somebody. Like if people have been doing it for a couple of years, it's right. whatever, a little right. bit of wash, but it's like, there's so much knowledge and experience in the industry. It's like, and that should be worth something yeah. at some point. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know what though? I think the bigger thing in the bike shop, and I'm sure, and you are one, you value yourself. So, and this has been from in the in the 26 years that I've been in the industry. Um, the the customers are bringing in through that door for a reason because they mm-hmm. can't do it or they don't want to do it or they don't have time to do it, but they can pay to do it. Yeah. But you get those one and but bike shop mentality is, ooh, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right, twenty five, thirty dollars to change too, but ooh, that's a lot. It's a lot for us, right? Yep. But they're bringing it in, so getting them to turn that, and that's what I'm working on now. Like, I mean, I have, I have a, a great good. They don't have a problem charging, mm-hmm. but you, I hear it on the side of the customer, like, oh well, you know, I can go over here for twenty bucks, you know, and it's just like, yeah, hey, you brought it in our door, and yep. you know, my guy Tanner or Doug or Craig, you know, they're. They need to do it, but same thing on the thing. Oh, we, you know, it, it's them to believe in themselves that you have a skill. Yep. Yeah. That skill is valuable. Right. So as a car mechanic, so you know, mm-hmm. so it's like that's what I try teaching them too. It's yep. like exactly that, you know. So. Yep. And right. you got to know that value and and right and stick to it. Yeah. Um. And it and it's it's not a knock on the industry. I think there's been great advances in that way. Mm-hmm. Like it's. I think um, I think pay is is becoming better and better. COVID helped pay a lot for the mechanics, yep. to be honest with you. Yeah. When yep. you're, and then you you get the little bit of a better service because they're getting paid more, so you get better service. You yep. get the, you know, we, why do we do what we do? Because it's passion, right? Yeah. Right. Like I mean, but you, you still need to make a living, is, right. is right. where it exactly. is, or or not just be making enough. Right. You, know, you need to be able to save a little bit or pay down a debt if you have it or, yeah. or something like that. And I think we're moving in that right direction. Yeah, no, it's going it, there it, for Nothing sure. will ever happen overnight yeah. Um, yeah. or quickly, but yeah. um, it's getting there. It's going yeah. there. Yeah. You know, people are starting to get paid, but yeah. Um, yeah. All right, so so I, didn't, I didn't realize that because right at that time, like the going back to the ODI Trek team, mm-hmm. About the time I think I met you, probably out at the Fontana races, yeah. like you know, just through Rich and just met you out there. And, mm-hmm. um, so I didn't know you were so fresh to 
Yeah. You know, no, I, I mean, was a shop. Kind of, I was just a shop mechanic. Yeah. And Rich is just bringing me on as like, right. you know, for him, he's like, I, I don't have to do this for yeah. these kids at the race because Rich yeah. is just like sweating bullets. Like, I can't, I don't want to change a cable if you need it. Like, yeah. And it's Charlie and right. their kids and yeah. they are blowing wheels up. And he's right. like, oh, yeah. Like, I need a mechanic that actually yeah. knows. And that's yeah. because we were. We had John Buckle kind of under our wing. He was doing both. And he, he called me, and John's like, hey, Jay, um, I have this opportunity. Rich just called me. And I'm like, dude, you have to do that. Yeah. As a racer, that's what you need to go do mm-hmm. because that's a level of support that we can't do. Yep. And so he went for that year on that team, and mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of I'm a little bit of the black sheep. I'm older. I'm not the junior. I'm a mechanic, and I'm racing enduro. Yeah. You know, yeah. and even though he loved downhill and he was great at that too, but yeah. I said, yeah, Rich bringing you on for a reason, Buckle. And, yep. you know, you know, it's a little strategic there, but you oh, yeah. go do it for your experience. Mm-hmm. And so, 100%. yeah. So, yep. yeah. And I think, uh, I think that's why like Rich was looking, Rich is like, I'm not a racer. I wasn't trying to make it. And he's yeah. like, I, I could have a dude who's fully dedicated to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember Buckle being on there. I remember looking at him, I'm like, man, you're like, you're building all the dudes' bikes and you're racing. I'm like, whew. Yeah. You took it on. Like, yeah. good job. Like, well done. Yeah. Also, like, yeah. you know, that's a lot of work. Yeah. And um, I think he learned a ton because mm-hmm. right out, you know, that lasted for a year for him because then you guys went to the specialized. And yep. he, so he was cut from the program, but he came back to our program for the next several years. Yeah. And, well, you that's know, why we, we started more of the we got to go. We got to go to bunch of enduro yeah. races and i think he learned so much of how to yep. be be that mechanic on the go mm-hmm. and still man know. i haven't talked to him in years so. but that dude was always so fit and fast and yeah. like oh dude his he's skills a he's a ranch hand now holy cow he, he works at, he worked at jpl i was gonna say wasn't so he like he, a rocket scientist yeah so he's working at jpl <clears throat> but they bought a ranch out in acton yep i saw that just a big old i Changes floorings. Spins, spins his, <laughs> spins his off time, driving a tractor oh, and good for him. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. pretty jealous of yeah. that actually. Good job, Buckle. Yeah, Lynn, to this. His, his girlfriend was, or his fiance was into girlfriend, whatever they are right now, um, was into horses when she was growing up. They yep. had a horse, so now he has a horse, but he's gotten the, he's got the dually in the trailer and like. I think he's got the cowboy hat going. Yeah, too. Oh yeah, <laughs> but it, I got Excellent. his boots. Remember? Yeah. So yeah. It's, yeah. Maybe I need to reconnect with him. Again. Oh, Buckle's <laughs> awesome. Give he him a hand. Oh, yeah. Buckle's so awesome. So. Aaron's yeah. going to be like, where's John? Yeah. Acted. Drive. Buckle has a tractor. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. He's tractor, again. tractor one out. <laughs> he never rode the bull. We're trying to find one up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Then we were on the, the ODI specialized program. And yeah. I was never like, um, you know, I was never getting paid or anything like that. And, and at this point, I'm um, going back to earlier, I was still going to school and working full time. Okay. You know, six, seven days a week, like full on schedule. Um, and hard enough to get a weekend off at a, at a bike from a bike shop. Um, especially as a mechanic. Funny? Yeah. It's like, you better, if you're a mechanic at shop, you better be okay with having, um, a Tuesday and a Thursday off or any two random weekdays like yeah. that will always change because everybody's it's retail, you know, schedules are yeah. wild. Right. But, um, yeah, I was, uh, doing the ODI specialized thing. We're out at Fontana. Um, Aaron had just signed for specialized, and J.C. Schumlich was his mechanic, who was Sam Hill's mechanic. But um, And so he had him for his first year on Specialized, did a three-year deal. Um, and I, I, for whatever reason, I think 
uh, no, the first year specialized was there, and JC was there, and I think the second year they'd moved on, um, but I didn't know, and Aaron just needed help, and we're out of Fontana, and, and Rich is like, Aaron's going to be there. He's probably fine. He's just going to bang laps out, practice, and go home, but he's like, if he needs anything, can you help him? I'm like, yep, no problem. Like, that'd be awesome. I'd love that. And um, like, he's there. Again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is super cool. And, and he had just gotten his Raptor from Fox, and I was like, that's so cool. It was like when Raptors first came out. I was like, dude, he's showing him. Like, this thing's so freaking cool. Like, like have you jumped it at all? He's like, maybe. <laughs> and I was like, yes, thank you. Um, <clears throat> he ended up not needing any help or anything like that. Um, but he said, he looked at me, and he goes, hey, I got to go to, uh, Charlie and I are going to Boo Lake Canyon next weekend think you want to come out and help us there so like the way you helped us this weekend and i was like two weekends off from a, in a shop. row from a bike shop and I'm like dude you don't know what you just asked me like i'm just like cringing inside but i'm like it's aaron gwen like i have to try and i was like oh, let me see and that is number and i was like i'll text you and like i'll, I'll let you know and so I go back and I'm, I go to ask my boss and it took me probably like two or three days to get the courage to even ask my boss. Oh, and yeah. he's like, to this day, the coolest dude, and like still friends with him. hundred percent understanding of everything. And it was probably like Wednesday and I'm like, dude, I gotta ask him like, <laughs> like I'm going to have to leave like Friday after work yeah. to get there. And I'm like, Oh geez. And I go and I didn't even finish my sentence of like asking him if I could go. And he was like, no. And I was like, what? I'm like, you didn't even like let me explain or and he goes, No. And I'm like, it dude, it's Aaron Gwynn. He's like, sorry, man. Like, we need you here this weekend. And like conversation kind of ended and I was just sitting back there and I was like so bummed and like a little bit mad. And I was like, I wanna leave right now. Like I almost wanna quit. Like if I had anything lined up, I would freaking quit. I was just fired up in a minute and like I wouldn't have. But I was just fired up in the moment. I was like, Oh my gosh. And it it wasn't even like two or three minutes later. And he came back there and he's like, Hey man, he's like, okay, you can go. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, totally. He's like, I, I couldn't stop you from going out there. He's like, that's super cool. Um, and like I was in, in those moments, I was like texting Aaron. I was like, Hey man, he said no. And, um, and he's like, what? He's like, come on, man. He's like, he's like, he's like, ask him again. He's like, tell him, we'll, he's like, tell him we'll give him a shout out on, on Instagram for the shop or something like that. And I was like, I walked up to Rich and I looked at him. I showed him the like conversation. I was like, "Dude, Aaron Gwynn." He's like, "Look, he says he'll give you a shout out. He's he's begging me to go help." Like, and he's like, "Fine, you can go." And I was like, "Cool, thanks." And I was like, "It worked. We, we, I can go. Like, we're good." And um, went out to bootleg with him and Charlie, and it was just same as Fontana, like double checking bolts. But he dropped his bike off the night before we left, and was like, "Hey, can you just go through it?" And I was living with Chappie and stuff, and like sitting in the garage in Temecula with Gwen's bike and my bike stand and Chappie and I are in the garage and I'm like, dude, I have Gwen's bike <laughs> in my stand in my garage and he wants me to go through it. And like everything was, everything was fine. Like, and, but I do remember like the front brake was rubbing like the tiniest little bit. And those conical washers were like just, you know how they get once they're like set in one place, yeah. like they kind of just find their home again. And they and I could not get that front wheel to not rub. And I was stressed. I was like, this is beyond unacceptable. This is Aaron Gwynn. This cannot happen. This this is not right. And I was just like sweating. I was up until like 11 o'clock at night before I finally, I either got it or gave up and just like, it's fine. It's just a tiny little like sink 
think like just a barely little bit. I was like, it's good enough. Like that'll be fine. I remember telling Aaron about it before he rode and he just kind of laughed. He's like, yeah, man, it's fine. <laughs> no big deal. And I was like, I just stayed up basically all night trying to adjust a front brake, like two bolts. The most simplest thing. But anyways, went through the weekend. Um, just bolt check between runs, like super basic stuff. And there's one main pivot on that bike and that bolt had come loose like after three or four runs of, of like a good solid turn and a half. And oh. I like found it and like tightened it. And he was like, I'm glad you're here. Like glad you found that like type of thing. I was like sick. And, um, <laughs> And Rich texts me um, while I was out there. He's like, hey, man, like, um, like I, I can't really like, elaborate much on it, but I'm working on something for you. I hope that's okay. And I kind of was starting to get the vibe that weekend, like 100% oblivious to any of it happening um, beforehand or of Aaron asking me at Fontana the weekend before. Like none of that. None of that made me think of anything, even while I was out there, until Rich texts me. And I was like, Prepping you. This does feel like a little bit of a test. Like two riders, and I'm like, and Rich is like, hey man, like, hope you have fun out there. He's like, hey, just, you know, act like his mechanic. Like, make sure to check the bike, check tire pressures. And he's like, kind of telling me, like, what a racer would expect a mechanic to do. So it's like credit to Rich of like, without even me knowing it was like almost grooming me a little bit of like what is expected of a mechanic from an athlete's point of view. And he's like, hey man, like, just every run, take his bike from him, whether he wants to or not or if he just leans against the truck go grab it put it in your bike stand and just check it over check tire pressure spoke tension if you gotta do a bolt check do it and at that time i was like bolt check every run for sure world cup dudes bolt check every single run every between it definitely and i'm like for those of you out there it's not true we don't do it every single run it's like maybe once a day or something like that but um and uh anyways i was like after rich sent that text i was like it does kind of feel like a little bit of a test i was like all right cool whatever ninja just never let it affect me i didn't do anything different than i was already doing right. um and we drove back from that race aaron and charlie both won charlie's racing juniors and aaron's pro obviously and they both win so stoked on that um when got ice cream like that's the reward and um driving home and we get to aaron's and drop charlie off and um drive to Aaron's house where I left my truck for the weekend and we go to his house. Um, so are you riding in the cool Raptor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We took oh, the yeah, Raptor out there. Up, huh? Yep, I was stoked, dude. <laughs> Ride shotgun in the Raptor to Vegas. Heck yeah. And um, so I think, no, it might have been a different year. I was like, we went to the Mint 400 too. I think Red Bull got us like a ticket or something like that out to the Mint and we took the Raptor out. That was fun. Uh, different year, different story. <laughs> but um <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we get back and we're just, it's, you get back from the road trip and unload, getting all my stuff out of his truck, moving it in my truck. And he's like, go in. I was like, can you use the bathroom? Yeah, go in. Just kind of talking around the kitchen table around there. And he's like, he's like, well, thanks for all your help, man, this weekend. I was like, yeah, dude, no worries. Absolutely. And he goes, uh, how do you feel about being my mechanic this year? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and he's like, cool. I'll call Specialized on Monday and let him know I found my guy. And I was like, seriously? He's like, yeah, you down? And I was like, yes and i was like holy crap he's like all right man i'll i'll text you and let you know how it goes that just gave me chills yeah and, and like i just i was like I, I don't even think i don't even remember driving home or anything i'm sure i was just giddy as hell yeah and i probably woke chappy up when i got home I was yeah. like, dude he could, i don't know if i did or not but um but then I, like the weight of it hit me the next day like monday because i just had to go straight back into work and i'm like okay i just told aaron that i like <laughs> no idea what i'd be getting paid 
gonna have to quit my job. I'm in school full time, and I'm like, oh, I have to figure out how to make this work. And mind you, this is like January or February. Oh, like starting. season is starting in like yeah, a month and a half. Hey, you're not sitting on the sidelines. No, you not anymore. You like, don't want to sit on I just the like threw myself into the deep end, and I'm like, and it's for Aaron Glenn. And I was like, okay, this is actually like in my mind at the time. I'm like, this is heavy. He'd already won a championship or two. Um, yeah, on track. Yeah, on he'd track. won okay. two two so, championships. So he'd already on track. had some success. So yep. It's not like it's not like he's an up and coming rider. Like mm-hmm. he's he's the man. Nope, not at all. Um, and at the time, like. Uh, his first year on Specialized, uh, he struggled the bike sizing and new platform mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so he's going into year two. And that's how – so um, Sean Heimdall um, and JC Schumacher were kind of like Monster Energy Specialized. And so it wasn't like an in-house factory team. And they had moved on, whatever happened there. And so basically Aaron and Troy Brosnan were like – and at the time Mitch Robilato like were mm-hmm. left like – there's the team was there in terms of riders, but there's no manager, no mechanics, no nothing, no structure. So, um, in hindsight, looking back of like what must have been going through specialized mind of like, this is so late in the see like we're having to throw this together and like figure out how we're going to do this. So, um, and they reached out to rich unbeknownst to me or what was going on. I was like, can you help us build a team? Like and rich is like, I got a few guys and was like team manager, Eric Carter, Boom, like sets EC up, EC gets it, and then they're like, okay, like kind of dealing with Rich, but EC a little bit more because now he's going to be a team manager. And they're like, okay, we, now we need mechanics, like at least two. Do you know anybody? And, and EC was like, sniper, John Kanipa. Like yeah. worked with him for years in the past. Like hands down, if I can get that dude to say yes, like that guy. And then Rich was like, I got a guy. He's never worked at World Cups, but with Sniper there, like this is all like post conversations, but he's like, yeah, I was like, you know, with Sniper there, he'd been there. He's got the experience. I figured I'd throw you under his wing and he could help you through anything that you needed. To. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was the team. It was EC was team manager, me and Sniper mechanics, and it was Aaron, um, Troy, and Mitch Roblato. Well, sure, I thought you had been doing it for Mm-mm. a really long time. No, fake it till you make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You did so, well. Just yeah. let you know. So let's do one of our, our things that we, we like to do on here. What's your, your first memory of John? Uh, what do you remember? Fontana. Like? Okay. And it's and same thing. You and like everyone's like, oh, Aaron's coming out today. And I think the Atherton's were out there. It's like when Fontana Grounds mm-hmm. was like all them. and um, They were on GT then. And I yeah. was, yeah, and I was more intrigued because I, yeah, I like all the toolboxes, like, you know, and here I like the wrenching because being in the woman part of it, I wanted to learn everything in the store. I wanted, other than really building it, but I can problem solve, I can do stuff. I know what it takes to build the bike, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was intrigued on like, you're wrenching for Aaron, like yeah. the stress on that, you know, yeah. who knew that he was going to go blow a tire off and still win and all that. Right. Like, and yeah. me and you've had conversations, my, but my first time was out there with them, at, and you were super nice to me. There's that South Dakota part, right? <laughs> super nice, everything. But the time I think that was the most coolest was you were in a World Cup. I don't remember which one, and I text you. Uh-huh. Good luck. Hold your breath. You'll do great. Yeah. You responded to me. <laughs> I looked at my phone. I was. You don't even know what that moment was like. I'm like, yeah, and I let you know because you never know up there when he makes it down safe or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, he's down safe, mm-hmm. you know, and... You were, and then you responded back. I was like, here's a guy who's carrying a trainer, tires across, <laughs> backpack. Like, you got the pump going. I've seen yeah. you, you know? And I'm like, he 
he took two seconds, two times to respond to me. Yeah. So and after that, we did it a couple more times yeah, in the races. Yeah, yeah. Just want to know where your nerves were, is is because we know what Aaron knows how to do, and then that's yeah. where. But that's my most fondest thing with okay. you, besides the hugs all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I I had the opportunity before because I knew John before he got the job with Aaron. Um, I think probably just hanging out, like I said, under the ODI truck tent. Yep. And um, had met Chappie and stuff, and then just you know through all the Mike Detmers and just mm-hmm. everyone from Temecula that yep. not, small not, world. Yeah. And so I had ended up riding with a big group at one point down at Vale, and like John and I are pretty similar speed. I'm like. Well, he's younger than me, so he's got the younger legs, and he's so he's he's charging a little harder than I'm willing to go, and so that was kind of my first thing is I got to ride with him, and then we did one of the Friday Night Lights rides. Oh uh, yeah, San Juan. Oh, dude, I've never. I just came across a picture from that. Right? So, so this was so EC calls me up, right? Because I don't live near them. They they all live in Temecula area. Yeah. He calls me up. He's like, dude, they're going to go ride San Juan tonight. They're not riding until like, I don't know, 11 o'clock tonight. I'm like, <laughs> okay, you realize that I'm like at the time I'm in my 40s and have a family and like right. I go to bed at nine, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm down. So drive all the way down, hop in the truck with John and Chappie. EC and I get in the back. We drive out to San Juan, you know, and here's Charlie, um, Bubba, Austin Warren, yeah. you know, everyone's unloaded their bikes, Sleater, like the whole intense crew. Yep. And I'm just like, what did I get myself in? Like, <laughs> I should have been asleep for three hours Oops. by this time. <laughs> like, all right. They take off and it's like, they're fully pinned. Everyone's pinned, including John. And I'm like, so I'd ridden with them before and I'm going, okay, I can ride. I can, I'll, I'll just push and I'm going to ride John's wheel. He's freaking gone. He's just like totally gone. And EC, of course, who can outride both of us. Yeah. But EC's like, he's like, dude, I don't want to ride this hard. Like it's dark out. No. Like you can't see the corners. Mm-mm. And EC's like, dude, I'm I'm hanging with you. And I'm like, oh, thanks. You're gonna go slow with me. Okay. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> we came around a corner. John's laying in a ditch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> makes perfect sense. Yep. Hey, right. but you took the whole thing. You're with well, the whole it's, shot, right? it's the same mindset, right? Like nobody, everybody's thinking it, but nobody says it. And it's like, it's just like a, pardon the language, but that was just a giant dick measuring contest, right? Between <laughs> Sleater and everybody like that. And they just get on and it's like, go time. And yeah. everybody's saying the same thing. Like, shit, I don't want to get dropped. And so you just hammer. And it's like, and then people start separating. And you're like, I got to catch up. And you're just charging, 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 yeah. charging. And then there's smart people like yeah. EC where he's like, mm, nope. Yeah, EC and I, I are nothing we're, to, like, the, we're yeah. like the same age. And I'm just like, like I have nothing mm, to prove. Nah, I'm, t- I'm good. Like, I will get there. They'll wait. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I just remember being mostly scared of um, mountain lions. Yeah. Like, dude, that's full on mountain lion territory. If you're from SoCal, oh, yeah. like there's tracked mountain lions and like that is their home yeah yeah and they're you're going in into their territory gee, in their it, hunting time so you oh, don't want to be it's yourself. like dinner time for yeah, them yeah, yeah. absolutely and, it, and he's not joking like for whatever reason we're like yeah we need to make sure it's dark dark when we ride so it's probably like nine ten o'clock at night before yeah. we even yeah. set off everybody's got lights and stuff and i brought i actually probably don't know i brought my gun and i put it in my camelback 
Chappie's like, seriously, you're gonna bring your you're gonna bring your handgun? I was like, yeah, we're going to San Juan, and it's dinner time, and there's big cats there, and I'm like, everybody can squawk about it all they want, but and if something you happens, wanna, you don't want to be the meal. No, if something happens, <laughs> and that's the reason why something terribly bad doesn't happen. Yeah. Then, we're going to be real thankful. Yeah. Better looking at it than for it. Is so what my were you saying. thinking when he came around the corner? You're in the beach <clears throat> by yourself. What was I thinking? Uh, who knows? Dinner place? Jeez. I don't know. Probably I need to get up. Like, I hope I'm not last. Because you just, it's a big group like that. And everybody just kind of like, yeah, like crams in. So it's like, you don't really know how many people in front or behind you. Yeah. It's like, and like, it separates pretty quickly. Yeah. And then you do notice, like, you can see a couple lights ahead of you. So it's like, okay, you got some eyes on people there. I don't see anybody behind me. My last, you know, yeah. it's like, oh shit, I need to catch up. Like, I at least need to yeah. be on one person's wheel, yeah. so I'm not by myself. Yeah. I spent a lot of time yeah. by myself on he, that ride. He didn't, he didn't know that EC and I were already off yeah. the back, and we had already committed. Like, dude, nope. we're just gonna ride together. We're good. Yep. See, I always say when I'm that's my mindset now. Yeah, <laughs> like, go for it, guys. I'm nothing. I always approved. say when because there's a part in Whistler that they'll go do this rock or this um, ladder thing. So I go around this way. Of course, I can hear them and see them, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's it's it's uphill. It's it's after Atlantis. If you yeah. know after Atlantis, it's the traverse across the hill to get to all the other trails. Right. It's what no one ever rides. Yeah. Well, I ride it because I can't ride. You don't all ride the, all the yeah. other stuff. And so I'm going across. And so one day the whole team was like, "We'll go where you go, Lala." I'm like, "It's cross country." <laughs> you don't want to do that. Yeah. So they're like, "No, we'll go." And I'm like, "Okay, you guys. If I ever don't make it down the hill, I'm in here. This traverse. If a bear sees me." <laughs> This is where my bike and clothes are going to be, and he's yeah. going to be hibernating for two years because I was that heavy. Okay? <laughs> and I'm like, just look around here for me. I'll be here. Yeah, one of the kids Last says, we'll location. just take your bike, Lala. It, it has all, because I never break anything in enough. Yeah. They're like, we'll just take all your parts and put them on our bike. I'm like, thanks. Perfect. So, yeah. Heavy downs. Yeah. yeah so, 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 so we do that ride. Then the next, my next memory is going out to Fontana and hearing that he just, I think, because I didn't realize you had gone to bootleg, so I don't know if you were out at Fontana mm-hmm. the following weekend or I think it very was, yeah. very soon after that. Yep. And heard that you got the job. Yeah. Wrenching for Aaron, so I go up. My biggest concern, like I'm thinking, oh, this is cool. Like he gets to travel, he gets to do all this cool stuff. I'm like, dude, do you, are you gonna get to ride? <laughs> <laughs> that was my concern. I'm yeah. like. Dude, like you're a rider, like you're yeah, gonna yeah. get to ride. He's like, I don't know, it's not gonna be my concern. Yeah, <laughs> I like I have, I have bigger concerns. Than yeah, that, you're uh, like, I said, yeah, I didn't even know what I was getting paid. It would have been it his was. next word could have been for free, and you were already yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. To my point of of like the whole industry standards of of what people make and stuff, and we need to like bump those numbers up. And I'm like, that's why though people are so excited to jump at opportunities like that. That yeah, I would have done that for almost next to nothing. Right. right. Um, and there's story and i know i'm not the only one with that story but yeah um so yeah that was uh that's kind of i basically i said yes and i tried to quit school so many times before that and i'd always call my mom for advice and stuff and she'd talk me back and she's like it's just remember high school it's only four or five years like depending on how fast you take it like it'll be over before you know it it's worth it just stick with it call her i was like i'm, I'm quitting school <laughs> right back into the routine like hold on like you know, it's going to be fine. Just stick it out. I know it sucks right now. And I was like, and then I told her why and for the job and stuff. And she goes, oh, well, you can always go back to school anytime. Like, you should 100% take that opportunity. Yeah. And I was like, well, I, I already committed to it. 
So I uh, put my two weeks in um, shortly after that when I kind of had a better idea. I, I had to wait to talk to specialized first yeah. bef- and make yeah. sure yeah. I had a job. Make, bef- make sure that you really were going to get yeah, paid. Exactly, before, yeah. um, before I put my two weeks in. So it took about a week to get that call, like four or five days, something like that. By the next weekend, I had a call from Jeff Rogers. Um, who's the marketing manager love at the time? Jeff. Yeah, yep. Jeff. He, that dude's awesome. Jeff oh, is awesome. Love Jeff. Jeff, we love you. Yeah. You watch this. Yep. So he calls me, and um, I think I was actually out like on a date with a girl, and I'm like, it was like a first date, I want to say, and I was like, hey, like, I know this is real bad, but like, if my phone rings while we're on this date, like, I'm expecting like this job opportunity of a lifetime, essentially, and like. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to take this call. She's like, "Yeah, no worries." But and that was actually what we only went on one date. But um, but I got the call like while um, you were on the date. Like while I was on the date, so I stepped away and talked to Jeff. And just, I mean, it had to been like a 15 minute max phone call, maybe. He just had a few questions. I don't even remember how it go, how it all went. But um, a few questions. And he's like, "Well, man," he goes, "Sounds like you're the you're the man for the job." You know, EC's vouch for you, Rich Houseman is vouched for you, and now Aaron's vouched for you. And he goes, I, I don't need anything more than that. Um, congratulations, you're the first person I've ever hired over the phone, sight unseen. Like, I didn't have to fly up there. I didn't. He's like, um, we got team camp in like another, I think, week or two, and uh, we'll just we'll just do all the contract stuff when you get up here, but consider it done. I was like, sweet, done. And um, that was it, sight unseen, phone call, Specialized said yes and hopped off, let Aaron know I had the call. And he's like, sweet, sounds good. He already knew, obviously, it was happening. And then um, put my two weeks in, like, I think the next day. I was like, hey. And it was just like the two-week notice. And then I was like, but I have to leave by this date for team camp and stuff. And they were bummed um, for yeah. sure. But yeah. And that's why, like, uh, Rich, the manager at the time, he was like, "That's I knew it. He goes, that's why I didn't want to let you go to bootleg. He's like, I knew if I let you go you're going to get hired and we're going to lose you. And he's like, I couldn't afford to lose you, but he's like, I'm stoked for you, man. Like, congratulations. Like, yeah. it was bummed, obviously, yeah. but it was not, he wasn't like a dick about it or anything. Right, and right. He was stoked for me. So, and off we went, man. Like, what year was that? 2014. 14. Yep. So, eight, eight years. Yep. We're going into, I think this is nine years. Okay. 22 will be the ninth season. So, okay. yeah, that was, um, and that in and of itself was a whirlwind. I knew nothing. Um, and talk about ignorance is bliss. Like if I knew then what I knew now, I would have been a basket case. Like I would have been probably put in a mental institution for how much stress I would have been under, but I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Like I had no clue. Yeah. And first time we go up to specialize and it was for team camp and stuff. And there was a stack of boxes, six feet tall of just rims. And one of the guys was like, here's all the rims and spokes and hubs that JC ordered for the year. So, there's your wheels, build them. And I was like, okay. And like, I opened the first box and they were 26 inch. And I knew we can, I can talk about now, but at the time, um, specialized was still pretty actively against at the, the 650B at the time, but mm-hmm. 275. Right. Um, it's still like marketing kind of against it. Um, and basically like holding their ground, like we're not, we're not going to do that. And, but we had a specialized Enduro, an aluminum frame, um, trail bike obviously is an enduro bike that was 275 that we had set up for Aaron to race in um and Troy in South Africa at the first race so we're going up to test that <clears throat> and put all the time in on that and so anyways I start putting two and two together and I'm like okay well we're racing 275 bikes but I have a 
I have four boxes of basically 100 rims. I was like, oh, they're all 26 inch. And I tell EC, and he goes, all right, no problem. He goes, um, I'll find you the contact for DT Swiss, and I will, um, I'll put you in contact with them and just tell them to send 275 wheels. I was like, okay, cool, sounds good. Shoots guy an email. Man, uh, I actually need 275 wheels. We have all these 26 inch wheels. And I got an email back, and it was, I'll paraphrase, but it was like, what in the world are you talking about? It's February, and you're going racing in a month, and you're just now asking me for product. Like, this needed to be submitted in October. And I was like, I just started yesterday. Hey, man. <laughs> I'm the new guy. Like, I'm the new guy. Like, I just started here, and he's like, okay. And he kind of realized that, and he's like, well, okay, well, that's typically how we do it. And he goes, I, I don't have 275 wheels for you. I don't have downhill wheels in 275. Like we just, it was still so new that even if they were working on it, they weren't ready. Uh, but he goes, but I have 275 trail wheels, the EX-471s. And I'm like, I don't know too much about their entire lineup at this point. And I'm like, don't care. 275 works for me. And he's like, okay, I only have like, I think he's like six or so of them or something like that. Oh my gosh. It was, it was 10 or less. It's, I forget the exact number. I was like, doesn't, I'll take him. And he's like, okay, ships them out and we got them. We get the wheels and, um, and it was just like, we, we just had to run it. We didn't have tires. Like specialized didn't have tires. Like the tire product manager had four of them like at his desk. And I'm like, can we have those? my mind is working like we're the factory team yeah those should go to us like we gotta go racing and he was like um no and i was like what i'm like but it's for aaron glenn and we're going racing in like a month and he's like yeah these are the only four and i'm like and what's the problem <laughs> he's like they're basically samples like I, we need to ride these and like make sure that they're constructed the way we need them to be. Well, and I was Aaron's like, gonna do that. I was like, oh, well, sounds like we're gonna be doing that. It's just, it was so hard. It was like my first like introduction of like, no, you can't just go and take what you want, even if it exists and even if it's available. Like, it has to go through proper channels and proper authorizations. And like, it was still so new, and I was so oblivious to how new everything was which was, in hindsight, a good thing because it, it wasn't stressing me Cause, out. Yeah, because <clears throat> yeah. you were just asking. I was just trying to get You're things just, made. Yeah. And we, we ended up getting them, um, those few tires, and getting to South Africa. We had our team camp, which was cool. I got to meet Troy there for the first time, Brosnan, and he's super cool. Um, and working with Sniper and EC and stuff was super fun. And Sniper, did he help me out and showed me the ropes yeah, like 100%. Amazing. And even uh, so did Monk Dog. Um, so that weekend you would have saw me at Fontana after I'd said yes after bootleg. We had another Fontana the following weekend, and I was there. And I think Aaron or Rich asked Monk to come out and mm -hmm. chat. I think it was Rich. He was like, hey, Monk, can you like give John the rundown, help him out? He's never done this before. And he was working for Trek Factory Racing with yep. Martin Wiley at the time. Carrying his toolbox out of his truck. Yep. And I didn't even know what was going on between them at the time, but I know now from being on the team with Martin for a few years and like his story and his side of things and stuff. And he was trying to get Monk to be healthier and was like scared to take him to races because of his health. Um, and was like, Monk, he, like, he's like, I tried everything. Like, I tried like financial incentives, like bonuses, like anything to get him healthier because he's like, I needed him, but. I was scared to take him places for fear that something would happen 
on the road yeah. with him and stuff. So I guess that year was like a, a like a deciding point between him and Martin, Monk mm. and Martin of like, like uh, you need to do this for me to bring you on the road this year. But anyways, I didn't know that Monk was still telling me he was going to be on the road and everything. And he had his old white Dodge out there with his toolbox. Yeah. And if, uh, there's Monk stories mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. from here to land's end. That guy was the most funny dude without even trying to be funny. It's just, just his personality. But um, before, rest in peace. Yeah, rest so in peace, anybody Monk. Anybody who doesn't know Monk, Monk did pass away. Yep. So, and, yes. And he was Aaron's mechanic um, all through the Trek days and everything like that. And so he was the dude to talk. If there was anybody, like, like I was so, like, holy, almost, like, apologetic. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm taking your rider. He's like, don't worry about fool. Like, never been, haven't been with him for a couple of years. It's all good, bro. And, um, <laughs> and so Rich was like, Monk, can you show John your tool? I didn't have a toolbox then. I was like, Monk, you show John your toolbox so you know, he knows kind of roughly what to get. Like, a monkey wrench out of the back yeah, of your pocket. Right. This is what I got. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, yep, no problem, fool. Come on over. And he's got his truck parked pretty close to the pit. And uh, he drops his tailgate and he goes around to the back. And he pulls out, the first thing he pulls out is like this signed Annika Beerton poster. And he's like, check it out. And just holds it up and shows it. And I was like, sick. And he's like, pretty cool, huh? I was like, yeah. And he just rolls it up and puts it away. And I was like, <laughs> and then he pulls out like a world champs jersey and it, i forget might have might have been missy geos or somebody's world champs jersey he's like check this out i was like world champs jersey like yep got this blah 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 and i was like cool he's like yep pretty cool huh and he puts it back and he just starts showing me stuff and i was like okay like he's just showing me all this stuff and finally gets his toolbox out and i'll keep this one short but he showed me every single tool in that box he pulled every single one out showed it to me told me what he uses it for where he got it the last time he used it and a story about it like and i'm telling you and i'm not anybody who knows monk that is not an exaggeration <laughs> i mean he had a pair of mud rotors that were like 160 mil or something like that that and at the time like nobody ran rotors that small yeah like ever cross-country bikes ran 160 He's a downhill mechanic. And he's like, these are my mud rotors. He goes, uh, so-and-so ran these in 1996. Remember at this race? And he's like, keep them in here in case I need them again. And I'm like, 160s? Never know. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think anybody would put 160s on their bike and go down Val Sol in the mud. Yeah. <laughs> like, that'd be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he had them. And so, anyways, I get Did it Did you really... ever put a pair of 160s? Nope. Because you were green. No, Did you ever put those in your no, toolbox? No, I never put. <laughs> and there were so many things from his box that I was like, that is so irrelevant. I'm never putting that in my box. That's pointless. And then there's things in my toolbox today that he told me to get that I've never taken out. Um, and so it was just like, it was a really cool experience. And his whole thing too, at the end of it, he was just like, and uh, he goes, if you ever need any help or you got any questions or anything, I'll be at the races, come find me. And I was like, cool, thanks. Cause he's going to be at track. Like what yeah. I thought. And I was like, cool. Well, if I do need anything, like I can just run ass monk. He's like, come find me. I'll help you. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Super nice. I remember yep. when he was out of Fontana, he would help a little kid going through. Oh, yeah. So that your mom and dad didn't know how to fix something. And yep. he's like, hold he, he'd like literally put his, he'd wave him down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, he sees him going, you need help? I got you. Yeah, yeah. Even though he already had, you know, he's waiting for his riders coming out. I yep. got you. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Every time he gets brought up, it turns into like an hour laugh session yeah. of everybody's story yeah. about Monk. Yeah. And 
Sniper did. He he had so many cool stories from traveling in the GT days with him. Yeah. yeah. Um, people thought he was a rapper walking through airports because <laughs> he'd wear the Oakley thumps with the headphones that would go in there, and he wouldn't take them off. And so everybody just and he's this huge dude, and so everybody just thought he was a, a rapper. Yeah. Um, but he's funny, man. He knew exactly how much that toolbox weighed. Uh, he had refused to put it like on the scale at the airport. They'd be like, "Can you put your box up here?" He goes, "Don't need to." 88 pounds like, and they're like yep, sir we need to we need to weigh it and he's like nope 88 pounds <laughs> they're just like and that thing i'm pretty sure that thing was 88 pounds like ridiculously heavy oh, he's um, got rotors and extra yeah, stuff in there it he was didn't insane need. That's, but, but yeah he, awesome he died doing what he loved that's that's yeah. uh i mean I, we seen him the weekend before he had passed he uh-huh. had came out there and had the oxygen and everything yeah. going it was like he's like i'm trying i'm trying to get and it was just Little day late and dollar short. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, we good already dude. had two shoes on our last one. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. Good, but that's but this is the family. This yeah. is what yep. we breed. I mean, honestly, like you know, and now you know, you and Aaron are really good friends. Mm-hmm. Chappie got married. You moved out. Yep. You know, so you're engaged. Yep. All right. Yep. He has, and what's your stepdaughter's name? Maddie. 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 Yep. So yep, and uh, they actually put up with him. He doesn't put up with them. Yeah. <laughs> God bless him, man. So I know, I know these stories have been beat up and down. So I mean, Aaron's done some incredible things—not just championships, but just you know, snapping a chain when in a race, um, blows up a wheel and still goes down a run yep. faster than ninety-eight percent of the world could go down that run. <laughs> um, so, in all that. How do you keep your cool in those times? What do you? Do? I mean, because it, it's out of your hands, right? Yep. And I mean, I've I've seen you at a few races, and I I because I I'm always watching. Mm-hmm. I'm always that guy that I'm probably a lot like you. Like I love to learn. Yeah. So I love to just sit back and watch people yeah. in their element, like doing what they are, you know, yeah, bred to do. Mm-hmm. And so, w- what goes through your mind, or what what are the you know some of the <clears throat> most significant things that you've you've come across? During your times with Aaron? Um, I mean, there's tons of them. But just to touch on the keeping the cool thing, like, A, I don't. I'm a mess on the inside. Okay. Um, but it goes back to, like, my ignorance is bliss. In the very beginning of my first World Cup was South Africa, and it's this crazy country. I've never been to it. I had to find my way to the track with Google Maps, printout sheets. There's no GPS. Phones didn't work. Um, and... I just didn't know. Your first, your first downhill races, uh, World Cup races, a race where they're running yeah, and I'm, trail bikes with, with dropper posts. Uh, racing, <laughs> racing a trail bike with the downhill fork on it. Um, a prototype shock that we're trying new things with. And four four tires. Like, I, I think I had, like, Troy and Aaron had a set of wheels on their bike, and I think I had one spare set of wheels between the two of them. Maybe two, like maybe yeah. they each had like one spare oh wheel gosh. set. Wasn't nervous about it. And then Tr- or Mitch was racing his 29er trail bike. And so he was kind of on his own, didn't have to, that stuff was plentiful. So that wasn't a big deal. And um, I, I was just ignorant to yeah. stuff. And so I, I just observed, like, what is everybody else doing? Yeah, okay. And um, funny story is like practice at that race, um, Aaron snapped a shock on the finish line jump. It was like a pretty big, like, hip. And I think it was when that X2 first came out mm-hmm. and they Fox knew like that they were pushing the boundaries on it a little bit. And so they had backup shocks and different stuff on hand for the guys that were running it. But the thing snapped and I, 
I always remember, like, I hate tire buzz on seats whenever I see videos and stuff of people, and I'm like, dude, like, stop, fix it. And you do that by, like, coil shock, take your coil off, it's air shock, let all the air out, and completely bottom your suspension out, and then adjust your seat to where it's not, like, at its lowest point is what I do, and then, or above if the rider prefers it, but then make sure nothing buzzes the, the seat. And when Aaron... So that's his pet peeve. <laughs> well, not really like a... Yeah, yeah, buzzing seats is. So Aaron comes off the fish line jump, snaps a shock, um, and it just, boom, everything just bottoms out. But he's able to, like, roll through the finish line. And then he just he just rolled right out of the corral and into the pits. And he goes, hey, uh, snap a shock. You got to take the bike to Jordy. And that was my first... I panicked. Sprinted to Jordy with the, with the shock. And I was like, it broke! And him and Fitzy there, they're like, okay, cool. Put this one on. And it was just like a Van RC. Like nothing done to it. Just a like low end shock. He's like, put this one on. So I did. Thinking it had a rad sticker on it. So I thought it was something was done to it, but it was not. <laughs> put it on. And then he wins the race. And at the time he was like, man, he's like, good thing you set the seat that way. Because if, if you hadn't have, and like that shock would have snapped and that rear wheel would have went into the seat and just like, like it would have thrown him over the bars like could have got him hurt yeah. and stuff and so that was my first I didn't even do it on purpose or for that reason I wasn't didn't go into it with my that thought of like if the shock snaps I need to make yeah, sure I have yeah. clearance and this that and the other it's just something that I did and then that was my realization of like well dude okay there's so many things you have to think about in terms of like safety and making sure things are a certain way for a certain reason and like going into that kind of detail but going back to like the nerves thing i I, other than that i didn't know what was going on so when we go to the top of the hill i was literally asking aaron like what do i do what do i take yeah what do you need me to do yeah what do you want me to do what do you want me to do and it's like i'll just take the trainer bike and the trainer some spares and like an umbrella because it's hot and there's no shade up there okay cool get up there glorified umbrella girl 100 percent. most of us are (laughs) And um, we get up there, and it's like, thought doesn't cross my mind, but there's all these top. I'm looking at Sam Hill and and Brendan Fairclaw, and I'm with Aaron, and like all the G. Atherton, like all the. I'm just like, whoa! And everybody's just right next to each other, pretty much, because it's just down this like old dirt road in South Africa, and all the traders are going off, and so it's just like, wah, 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 wah. and I mean. 50 dudes just trainers going and going and going and I'm like this is intense like it's loud it's dusty you hear the start beeps going you can kind of hear the crowd down below and you're just, I'm just like like nervous like oh uh, and he's like water and I'm like almost hit him the umbrella and I'm like oh crap no water like dude okay just don't mess this up you know and he was just kind of laughing and he qualified first so he's like last to drop and then what I don't but I'm, but I'm watching all the other mechanics I'm like what are these guys doing what are they holding how are they handing mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. what are they using to carry their tires and spare parts and trainer and bikes and stuff and all this stuff so I was just observing like and it was just out of ignorance is almost how I got my like yeah. wits about me because you just don't know you know I was nervous because it's like pre-race and you have those little jitters but that's about it and yeah. still to this day like it's about all I get like yeah and that's also due to now just so yeah. many years and experience doing yeah. it. But, um, yeah, what I didn't prepare for or think about was each rider eventually gets off their trainer and gets on their bike and gets in the start hut. So it gets quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter until there's nobody up there. And when you're the last to drop, it's like you and your rider and maybe like the mechanics left from like the top three other dudes up there. Yeah. There's like, and then, you know, Red Bull staff and, and stuff like that. But there's like 10 people and it's just bone silent. 
and like last dude in the gate there's no more traders going off you can hear the crowd screaming from the top of the hill and i was like whoa this is nuts yeah and he went down and that was it and just there's no radios there's no cell service there's no nothing you have no idea what's going on and we get in the van um there's so many stories in this race i can't even go into but we get in the van and we go down and i think it was uh, his name is big ben he was um he's brendan's mechanic for a long time but he had a radio and i think somebody asked him how their rider did and he radioed and he got back and he goes um gave him a time and somebody asked him how nico did um i think nico's mechanic was sanders a guy named sanders at the time um and he goes, oh, he was six seconds off of Gwyn. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, really good run. Like, must have been close or something like that. And I was like, I just heard Aaron's name. Didn't think anything of it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, how did Aaron do? And he, go, he just looked at me. He goes, he won. I went, sweet. Thanks. And just, like, turned back around. I was like, it just started enjoying the drive again. And, like, Snipe Kniepa sitting next to me. And he's like, dude, congrats. And I was like, what? Uh, thank- I didn't win. I didn't race. Like, yeah. I was like, wow. He's like, no, dude, you you won. I'm like, no, Aaron won. Like, I just was a mechanic. He's like, and I remember he just kind of shook his head and rolled his eyes. He's like, dude, <laughs> like, you have no idea. And I was like, okay. I'm like, dude, he's Aaron Gwynn. Like, of course he won. Like, sick. Like, yeah. duh, kind of type of deal. And like, Dougie Fresh, who's, um, yeah. you know, Santa Cruz mechanic. He's like, oh, no way. Like, you know, Doug, he always says, no way. He's like, no way. Congrats, man. Everybody's like, yeah, good job. And I was like, this is weird. Like, why is everybody congratulating me? Like, I'm a mechanic. Like, yeah. no. Um, Aaron won. And then, we, yeah, we get down there, and EC's like, dude, you're so sick. Like, congrats. Like, get a picture. Is this that? I'm like, what? No, dude, there's work to do. Like, I got to clean the bike. We got to pack. Like, we got to tear the pit down. He's like, dude, you won. Go Enjoy to the, the podium. Moment. If anyone knows EC, yeah. EC's about enjoying the moment yeah like he's like you guys have worked enjoy yep. this moment yep and he was like dude go watch the podium and i couldn't get behind the podium or anything so i was like i was just in the crowd watching like the riders come out at the podium and stuff and like me and sniper were there and he sees like dude take the picture and like turn around give me a smile give me you know hang loose this that, and the other um and then ec was even just like dude he's looked at me and he looks at sniper and he told sniper he's like this dude has no idea does he and Cyber just shook his head, and I was like, "What do you guys keep talking about this for?" Like, well, whatever. I just kind of put it, you know, against my mind. We go to Australia, and then like as the season goes, that yeah. year, first year, and we didn't win another race. I think we finished second overall, which is awesome. Um, but it was like I was every race. I began to realize like it, everything started making more and more sense, and I was like, "Oh, these are hard." Like, (laughs) this is very hard to win one of these races. The amount of things that have to go correctly is insane, which is why, like, when a dude wins multiple races, it's like, whoa. Like, that's really hard to do. And you're you're behind that. Like, he's riding it. Yeah. Everything you're doing makes it smoother and better for him. Yeah, to a point. Like, I'm not back there, like... I'm not the reason he's winning. I'm just making sure. But you're the reason a lot of things aren't going wrong. Yeah, just trying to prevent, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. And you also don't take compliments well. so No, I don't. Exactly. So there's your whole other part No, I will always deflect those. That's me. The whole, like, thanks for your service thing, I'm like, dude, no. Yeah. Thank you for that, like, type of thing. But it's very hard for me to accept that where, like, I'm like, 
no, but I wanted to do that. Like, I don't right, need thanks right. for something I wanted to but do. But you didn't even know as a green mechanic that mm-hmm. you just jumped into no. somebody. I mean, you knew what he wanted, but you're like yeah. the whole. And I get that because we went to Andorra. And it's like two years before that running the team. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool? To, like he had said, oh, yeah. to sit we, yeah. with Adrian Thome. And yeah. he's like, it'd be cool to like be, go to a World Cup. Imagine like, being all at of a us World Cup. Go one time, yeah. like as a spectator, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. And then... We the, four of the, our junior, three of our three, juniors, three three like, juniors from our team got picked to go to, to Worlds that year, nice. and we're just like, this is our first time going to a World Cup, and I'm yeah. like, all right, we talked about this a couple of years ago, and now we're here. not only are we here, three of our riders are in here. It's yeah. like this is yeah. wild. this is crazy. Yep. Yeah, and speaking of like, you go to the top, you're like, there's Nigel Page, there's mm-hmm. um, Marcus Mondraker, yep. and you like go through all these people. I'm like. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, and yep. Samuel, yeah. hey, Lola, because yep. yeah. I met him at Sea Otter. And yep. it was just like, oh my God. Like, yeah. so. Yeah. Pretty crazy now. Because yeah, it's it now all those people, a lot of those people are just friends. Right. You know, like right. that's, yeah. Aaron, Aaron calls me the social butterfly at, at races and stuff. Because I'll just like, I'll just meander off. Like, my favorite thing is just to walk around the pits and go say hi to everybody and probably spend too much time wasting just bullshitting and, yeah. and catching up your, yeah like yeah well dude if i good. sit there I'll, i will um and aaron can attest to this too if, if there's nothing more to do to the bike and i'm i'm stuck there and i can't leave or anything like that like he's had to be like dude put the rag down like you're gonna rub the paint off that thing like yeah. i'll it's just like oh i just gotta keep yeah. moving because if i sit within myself like that's when yeah. i get like real nervous and i guess so i gotta be doing something so what's your favorite uh, race venue that you guys have been to? Ooh, man, that's always a tough one to answer. Um, the easy easy one to answer is Leo Gang. Okay. <clears throat> um, but there's a lot more that goes into what makes a, a race venue a favorite for mm-hmm. riders and staff that sure. it does like fans. Absolutely. Um, so for us, Leo Gang's awesome because the hotel's right at the base, right near the finish line. Yeah. It's a really nice hotel. Yeah. Uh, we have dinner there every night that's like included in the pricing and it's like five-star food, like seven-course meals. Like, And the staff, we go that we've been there every year for the last nine years. Um, so it's and it's the same staff, the same owners. We sit at the same table, and that can get boring, you know, for some people. But for that specific place, like they're so nice and accommodating for yeah. us, and they've helped us receive packages or or track down packages that are lost in customs and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they're really good people. Yeah. Um, and then you just there's no like I mean you can literally roll out of bed, be at breakfast in five minutes, and then walk to the pit in another five minutes. Yeah. And like, if that you, makes it easy. you know, yeah. And like, if it's cold, wet and rainy and you're, and your clothes are wrecked, like <clears throat> the bike's in the stand, I'm going to go put a dry pair of clothes on, come back and wash it after the day is over and do my work then. Like just walking distance, there's no coordinating you know, 10 people on your team and you're yeah. trying to coordinate who's going to leave at what time, Ooh, who's taking what we car, all too well. you know, a, you know, mechanics <laughs> got to go early and then team managers got this to do. And now there's no car back at the house for the athletes to get to the yeah. track. And they want to be, you know, this athlete wants to be there at 9 a.m. And this one doesn't want to be there until right. 1030. And so the back and forth. And so venues like that are just very simple and it takes a, um, uh, a load of a workload off of the rest of the staff because yeah. everybody can just move about freely. You know, they can, they can be on their own schedule. They yeah. can get to the pit when they want to get there and no, and nobody has to accommodate anything else. Yeah. So I like Leo gang for that reason. Yeah. Um, Andorra is another favorite. Um, 
for mechanics because the pits are at the start. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there's no packing a bike and wheels and a trainer and spares and, and riding over to a gondola and struggling to get through crowds mm -hmm. and struggling to get into the gondola with all that gear and then ride to the top and you got to leave an hour the rider early. gets to deal with that at the bottom to get back up to yeah, you right <laughs> yeah and, you know you don't have to leave an hour early and get up there before your rider and set up and find your spot because that's a thing with mechanics and riders like some riders don't mind being around other people some want to be by themselves but if Aaron, it's not Aaron rode with us in, in andorra yeah remember the gondola yeah, yeah. yeah and it's like so at every venue like we have these spots and troy's mechanic aaron pelletari and i like we go back and forth um <clears throat> it's like one of those things where we kind of came up with our own like unwritten rules of like whatever spot that you get on qualifying day like as a mechanic for your warm-up spot it's like that's now your spot for race day and like you can't encroach like and so if so if he gets up there early and like gets a good spot and i get up there and i'm like dang it I really wanted that spot, but he got it. And yeah. if I get up there can't. before him on race day yeah, and that spot's his. open, I can't take it. It's like, his. It's his. Yeah. And he took my spot at Leo Gang one year. I've got my spot that I go to every year now. Like it's out of the wind by ourselves and covered and by like two sides and, um, and a roof. And it's flat, so it's easy to set your trainer up. And like when your trainer's not on level, so you got to find level ground. So otherwise you're like wedging things to like level it out and all these things that people don't ever yeah. think about. Yeah. And so, and he took my spot one year. I rolled up there for, um, for, I think it was race day. I think it was racer quality. I, I don't remember. And I just, I'm just casually walking around. I turn the corner and I look up and he's standing there in my spot. And I was like, my face just dropped. And I was like, dude, and he goes, I know, man, I'm so sorry. But he's like, our spot was taken. There's nowhere else. And like, I had to get everything set up. He's like, I fully, like, I understand the basically like you the implications. The like I understand. And he goes, I know I'm going to have to pay for this. I was like, you have no idea. <laughs> and I'm like, you do know that I now have that in my pocket. Like I now get to take one of your spots, right? If it's better than mine. He goes, I know. <laughs> yep he goes, and he's like i fully agree but we're such good friends like, yeah it's just more of like a yeah. joke thing between us it's never like that serious so. yeah How but fun. i think i did take a spot from him one time after nice. that. Or like nice. we got up there like the same time and i looked over and i was like i'm taking it and he's like dude and i'm like i'm taking it and he's like come on come on man like can we like a different rate i'm like nah like there's look at look all my other spots were taken like there's no other good spots he's like he's like do you think we both fit there and i'm like Aaron and Troy aren't good. Like, they're, they're great friends, too. But I'm like, they're not going to warm up right next to each other. Like, they're one and two, like, or something like yeah, that. I don't yeah. remember where they were, but I was like, so it's just a fun little part of what we do. Yeah. It's, a, it's a close family, but I enjoy leaving the pits and going and talking to those guys. But um, kind of got off subject of, like, my favorite place. They just all have their unique yeah. little, sure. like, sure. pros and cons. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Leo Gang's always, like, a really fun one. Yeah. Um, just cool people. Like, the hotel has a nice pool. Like, yeah. it's little things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, any, any place that you don't have to like travel a long time between your hotel and the yeah. pits just makes life. I think that's easier. why I think Aaron actually told me that's another reason that he even likes going to the New Jersey race. Yeah. It's because even it's right though it's a, it's a little mountain and stuff, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's all pretty easy. It's super easy. Yeah. Yep. So. Well, okay. I know you've done a ton of races. Mm -hmm. What's the most memorable one in your life? Wow. I mean, the obvious was racing down San Juan at yeah. night. <laughs> There's a, I would probably say it's hard to pick one. The most memorable is um, 
pretty obvious of the chainless race. Yeah. Um, for obvious reasons, winning without a chain is pretty insane. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I thought I was going to be fired that race. Like, I thought my job was done. Um, just because really? that's how serious, like, racing was for specialized everything like luckily he wanted everything but um for me personally like i don't know any of that you have to remember this i'm at the top of the hill and i'm holding his water bottle he's in stargate and he takes in second or third crank and just pop i can clearly hear it and i mean i knew exactly what happened and i can't repeat the words that came out of my mouth but i said some of those turned around i threw the water bottle there's like a fence right like a wooden fence i threw the water bottle up against that and i was like you got to freaking kidding me like we're in a championship race like championship hunt like nothing can go wrong at this point and if it does like it's detrimental to the overall championship we're trying to win and i was just like it's over that's it that's the one race that's gonna take us out of the championship and i'm like that freaking sucks and it's like the, the chain wasn't old like it, it just one of those freak things like right. dude you could put a brand new things. chain on and like yeah. that can mm-hmm. happen yep and um, it's like, this is all, and I just, I'm, I always take accountability. Like everything's my fault, not in like a bad way, not in like a poor me, everything's always my fault. It's just, that's, I, it's just, I don't know. I feel like the buck always stops with me, no matter what, whether it's racing or my job or anything that goes around in the it's house, great, just what I do. Leader, <clears throat> yeah. And it's just like, you need to like, whether you actually did it or not, like they're, it's your fault. Like you take accountability. Like if your employee screws up, like mm-hmm. that's my fault. Like, or if I have employees on me and they screw up, like that's my fault. I didn't give you the proper guidance. Like any example, anyways, chain breaks. I'm like my fault. Like don't win the championship. That's because of me now. So I, I carry those burdens on my shoulders happily. Um, but Dougie fresh, um, Doug Hatfield, Patrick, whatever you want to call him. He was up there from Santa Cruz. So he's Bryson's mechanic. And then um, Jason Mars, so Marshy from Marsh Guards. He was up there. Um, he was Menard's mechanic at the time for all those years. And they were the only two up there. <clears throat> and Marshy had, um, he lives in Morzine, France. And so he had a Europe phone. And so he could get Wi-Fi or internet and stuff there. And so they were watching the race um, right there. And they heard me like yell words, bad words, um, and throw a water bottle. But pick it up. And I'm just like shaking my head, head down. And I walk over to him and they're like, what's wrong? And I was like, he snapped his chain right out of the gate. And like, there's a time delay from like what real life live versus like live on the, on the right. TV. And so they were looking and like Aaron's still in the, in the start gate backpedaling on the thing. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, right out of the gate, like second pedal. He's like, dang, dude, I'm sorry. Right then he drops in we're watching it. Bam. You see it happen. He's like, frick. And he, they know like as mechanics, they're yeah. like, dude, like Dougie puts his hand on my shoulder and Marshy hands me a water bottle and I was like, I don't need anything. He like already threw the other yeah, one. Yeah, threw mine. <laughs> and he's like, just drink it. And I'm like, no, I don't want any water. And he goes, it's not water. <laughs> I was like, what? Take a drink. And it's wine of all things. He had a <laughs> wine water bottle. I took a swig and I was like, oh God, dude, I was just not expecting that. <laughs> I wasn't expecting alcohol at all. Just right. I was expecting water. <laughs> Anyways, um, and I was just like, just beating myself up. And Marshy was like, dude, stop. Like, it's not your fault. It's going to be fine. Like, it's all good. Like, these things happen. And mind you, this was 2015. So second year on yeah. the circuit, you know, like still very new to all of this. And uh, so we're watching. He's like, just watch. See what happens. <clears throat> I was like, I have a hard time watching this right now. But we're watching on on his little phone turned sideways. And um, 
I'm watching splits and I forget kind of what they are now, but there he was like one point something down at one of them. And I was like, he's like, that's not that far off. And I'm like, no, but there's, that's before the motorway and you got to pedal on the motorway. Like it's a lot. And he gets past the motorway and hits that left, right wooden berm. And there's a little split there. And, um, I was like, before he got in there, I was like, we'll know, or I'll know if he's on pace or not from that split, because if he's anywhere under a second, like there's a chance he could still win because he is, there's no pedaling after that. And he is dirty in that section. Like he knows he rides that section so much faster than everybody over through all these years, um, up to that point. And I was like, I just knew. And so he hits those two wind berms and he's a point. I remember that number that he's 0.8 down under a second. And he'd like gain time. And then that's when like Rob was kind of starting to freak out and the chain had luckily come off at some point back there which yeah. i was concerned about yeah. anybody who knows like chain comes off like that thing go in your wheel the cassette like wrap everything up game over you're like over you're done cut. yep and so luckily it had just fallen out the way it had broken um and so he was just chain free all the way down and when he got to those berms and it was less than a second down i was like there's a chance like if he nails from here to the finish good like it's going to be very close but he can make that up and uh, Dougie was like, really? I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty confident in that. And like, so now I'm excited. Now I'm like, this is going to be close. Okay, like, even if it's, even if he doesn't win, like, um, you know, yeah. we're salvaging points. Yeah. You know, we're going to do the best we can right. here. And friggin' came across the line and Connor Fearn was just on the podium. Like, he was going to win. And Aaron Gwynn just broke his chain out of the gate. And he's probably like pretty bummed, if I were to guess. Like, you know, if you're, if you're like, Okay, I'm gonna win my first World Cup. And yeah, if that happens, he'd be like, "Oh, dang." Um, I think he was saying the choice words you said. <laughs> probably, yeah. And yeah, he came across the line and won, and so that was super memorable. Obviously, yeah. I was like, it was a hard win for me to celebrate, though. Like, I didn't, to be honest, I probably didn't really celebrate it at all. Like yeah. internally, even I was yeah. like, I mean, yes, I'm very happy we won and maintained the tough. spot in championship, but I was like. <sighs> freaking moron like you need to be better than that like like dude this is serious like because you just take this like right weight on Even like, yeah. it's yeah. not that serious in the grand scheme of things right. of life right. but um but what he, was his face like when he saw you laughing because but at that point <laughs> he was um already gone back to the pit or or maybe behind the podium you know and like he won so he's good um and i came down and i was just probably just like a dog with my tail between my legs like dang it like i'm so sorry and stuff and he was he was fine he was like dude like we won like be stoked you know it's all good no worries and yeah, Aaron's not a whole lot of man of words I mean when you have yeah. conversations with him but yeah. it's I mean super nice guy also yep. so anytime after that um no matter what I obviously and I did I did before it's still my protocol like a chain every race like I, it's not a chain every day there was a few races after that where I was like nope New chain every day. Don't care. And Tram was like, "Yeah, no problem. Like, we don't want that to happen either." Yeah, you know. And um, <clears throat> and then I was like, "Okay, this is getting a bit ridiculous." Like, <clears throat> I would never throw those chains away. They would go on to practice yeah. bikes or yeah. hand them out right. to people that needed them. And it was a like total that. fluke that it yeah. that it even happened. Yeah. But still, to this day, I'm like, 
new chain every race yeah um at the beginning of practice and it, it goes through the entire race i don't yeah. put a new chain on it all throughout and the week and you didn't get fired and you're still no, as didn't mechanic get fired. and yeah. you guys are good we're friends still here. and yep. we're here to talk about it which yep. is awesome other than that race i would say the win in uh windham new york was the other memorable one uh, for you were there for that one yep, yeah for no other reason than it was a win on american soil yeah at at in New York, like yeah, like that for an American that's dominating at the time. Oh yeah, and like it's not like he was up and coming and it happened like he was dominating. He was expected to win, qualifies first, the pressure is there, and then delivered. Like, whew, that was like mega cool. And that was the still to this rate to this day the only race my mom has ever been to. My sisters. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. And, you know, they there's the classic pictures of like the fans jumping over the uh, the tape and chasing them across the finish line with chainsaws and all that stuff. And my mom was like, "Was that real or is that like staged? Like part of like a show?" And I was like, "This is not a show. No, yeah. that was not staged." Yeah. Mom, like she was having a hard time like yeah. wrapping her mind around that one. Yeah. Well, that that race, you know how it's like the yeah she went like this, and there was a the thing with the camera right here, and I was right there by that other gate. You guys go out this way, and there was a gate right here by me. Yeah. And when he came down. And, you know, I was like, my Aaron, my Aaron, you know. And yeah. so I was, like, screaming. And he he made eye contact with me. They had just given him flowers. These people around me are like, um, oh, G had came down. And G came over and because uh, he did good at a time. And he had given me his, I don't know, he gave me something, a hug or whatever. Yeah. The people around <clears> me are like, she just calls these people over. Like, and then I'm like, Aaron, yes. Aaron, <laughs> I'm screaming the whole time watching the overhead. Aaron comes over and gives me the flowers. These people next to me are like, who's this? You know? And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I'm so stoked. And yep. give him a big old hug. Like, out of everything, he comes over to me. And I remember looking over at you and serious face, yep. grab his bike. You were like, yep. like, Just all business. Well, yeah. well, you, you, guys, you guys make a team that, that I often use, you know, for, for our riders, just telling them, let's learn from them. Let's talk about, you know. You, you as a mechanic and as a support and, and all that. But also, Aaron, the week before Wyndham was the race at Mount St. Anne. Mm -hmm. And he didn't do well there. Yep. And I remember he came, he came down from the race, and I was there. And he comes across the finish line. And I think because he hadn't qualified well either. But he, he was when he came down in his race run, he was the fastest, but there was still like 20 guys to go or something. Yeah. He qualified 20th or mm -hmm. something. So anyhow, so he comes down and he's just nice and calm and cool, collected. Yep. I'm sure he's not happy with himself. No, but he, he probably knew exactly how many seconds he was not going to win. But by. yeah. And so <laughs> slowly, you know, the guys come down, he gets bumped off and he, come, he goes and grabs his bike and he's wheeling around the back. And he looks at me because I'm just standing right there like, and he looks at me and I'm like, well, next time he goes, he goes, yeah, I knew, I knew it wasn't today. Yeah. He goes, I, I knew. He knew how he felt. He, he knew, he goes, I knew going in. Yep. You know, I'm like, okay, sorry, sorry, man. You know, good luck next one, whatever. Mm -hmm. He rolls out. There's a kid standing there. It goes, oh, Aaron, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Aaron's like, yeah, dude. Signs his goggles, yep. hands them to the kid, rolls out. And I'm just like. Talk about a learning moment. Like, I got to witness this whole thing, this whole thing. Like, his career, you know, not his career depends on that, but, like, this is his career. Like, yep. it depends on his performance. Sure. And so, you know, I've, I've used that ever since then because, I mean, that was, yep. that was 2015. And so mm -hmm. for the last seven years, I've told my writers, like, 
doesn't matter if you don't do well on that race run. How are you conducting yourself? Yeah. Nobody's going to remember. You I know? don't even remember when he got that race. Like, right. Nobody remembers bad right. results. No, no. But I'm like, but I remember what he did for that kid. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that kid remembers that. And yeah. like, I got to witness that whole thing. And like him being that, not that it was the lowest of loads, but you know, he's not doing what not he, <laughs> yeah, he's not doing what he's been training all season four yeah. you know or didn't perform the I way that he'd that hoped for Andorra. and i'm just like yeah. that's awesome yeah. like i mean even even when you don't you know because we're all flawed we're mm-hmm. all you know and we're not always going to perform the way that we hope to but you know well, i was supposed just to get his american you... flag goggles in Andorra because my first world Cup <laughs> <laughs> and so remember he promised them to me and yep. then there was this kit and he's at that where you come out at the bottom after the race and pictures and all that. And I'm standing right there. I'm like, Aaron. He's like, hey. And this kid comes up. He looks at me because he goes to take off his goggles. And if you guys know, there wasn't a whole lot of the American flag goggles made. No, those are special ones. Yeah. And so <clears throat> this kid says, had his jersey. I don't. I think the kid was like handicapped or something or something. Aaron looks at me, looks at the kid. Because the kid goes, can I have your goggles? And looks at me again and looks at the kid. And I'm like. <laughs> he took them off. He gives signs them, gives yeah. them to the kid, looks over him, and he, the kid was so excited. Took a picture. He goes, "I have your jersey too." Like he's yeah. like, "It's going." And then he looks at me, and he's like, "I got some more at home." Oh, <laughs> it took a while to get you that pair too. Only like three years, okay. But who's counting, okay? Yeah, you got him. Three years, three years, and I had to beg every time. I finally, I told you, "Would you remind him, please?" And then, <laughs> I forget. And then the best part is Jay's wearing them one time. Just just messing just, me. just messing around. Because yeah. nobody touches my Aaron goggles, and he puts them on. I put them on. I put them on. Took a picture and sent them to her. <laughs> and then he and then I sent it to Aaron. Aaron, I call Aaron. I'm like, and Jay can hear on speaker. He goes, he looks cool at him. What's up? I said, Aaron, they're my goggles. He should not be. He goes, no, they're goggles. They're meant to be. Wearing. I said, Aaron. He goes, Jay, take them off. <laughs> I took yeah. me three years to get those. Yeah. You know, I'm still waiting yeah. for my jersey to go up. So, yeah. Yeah. anyways, but yeah, like just that whole, and you do it too because I know you come down and I've seen you strapped with everything on you. <laughs> the kids are like around you too because they know yeah. who you are. You have that, like how we look at the fans, right? You, A little bit. Yeah. You are that. You because I mean. Everyone knows you're Aaron Gwen's mechanic, and yep. you know it's cool because you're you're those little kids wanting to wrench on their bikes, you know. <laughs> and I've actually had somebody in the shop saying that I'm going to be a John I'm going to be a John Hall one day. Oh, that's cool. And I said I don't think Aaron will still be riding bikes then. <laughs> and he's like, No, for someone, someone else. else. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know. Yeah, yeah. So. that's pretty cool. It's always a pretty humbling experience meeting yeah. fans that are like it's it's obviously more rare with me, but there's been a few instances where people have like directly approached me and been like dude huge fan like can we get a picture of this that and the other and it's like Mike it's still like, me yeah I'm from um, South Dakota yeah <laughs> you know, it's pretty like uh, the riders will get pretty big lines and autographs and stuff like yeah. that but every once in a while like I'll get approached for one I'm obviously like more than happy to do right. it like it's so cool for, yeah. to meet fans and stuff like that yeah. Wyndham was that, that was another reason Wyndham's so memorable is the fans like that was again my second year and first time being at, I don't remember if we go in third, 14. It might have been second. No, I think it's the first time going to Wyndham. Um, and I was very excited about it. But, you know, working, trying to go up for race run. And, like, the crowd is massive down there. Oh, it's, it's a huge. very small lift. And you have to walk through the crowd. 
and like getting into this small little like walkway and with all my crap like it's hard and banging on the fences and like <laughs> trying to move people out of the way and of course they're like they get bumped or something like that and they're like what in the heck and they turn around they're like oh crap everybody get out of the way like they'll kind of like they'll, Part the they'll, seas. Yeah, they'll like give you a little room and we get on and stuff and everybody's you know yelling good luck good luck da, 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 high fives and we get on the lift and um get everything situated we're sitting down and we start going up and it's like not even quite to the first like vertical pole like support pole thing and um it's obviously like the finish is just stacked like all the way up to like the shipping container where you drop thing and um all aaron did he grinned and said watch this and i was like what and he didn't do anything and one i just remember like hearing one quitty and it was like a light switch like pavlov's dog experiment and that entire crowd head whipped around 180 degrees and looked up to the chairlift everybody looks at us sitting on this chairlift and erupted like i've never to this day experienced i was there anything like that and that crowd lit up and then just the USA chance and go yeah. quick. Yeah, now look, now Dude, I got yeah. goosebumps. Yeah, it the, was the Mount crazy. American flags at that one. Remember, they yeah. were on the side. Why did I have to go to the Mount St. Anne one? Why couldn't <laughs> I have gone to Wyndham? Yeah, yeah. No, it was <laughs> coming from a perspective of just being so proud and yeah. then like hearing that, and I was like, whoa, like it was like a wave of like almost like vibrations and like and you're just you're stuck on this chairlift these crappy little like east coast chairlifts like two people four people can sit on it's just moving along at a little slow pace you can't go any slower or and faster so it lasted for a long yeah, time like because yeah. you keep them in sight for so long right, right there. for like it's a couple like, minutes yeah. and that was like equally as as crazy was when you get out of sight and then you have the rest of the mountain to go where there's nobody and it's pure silence you're sitting there by yourself yeah you can't hear anything yeah you're like whoa and talk Aaron about doesn't it. talk he's ready to mm-hmm. think and you yep camera filled up yep we're oh. good we're still recording okay. on audio so um, we'll, we'll, we'll just this. yeah we'll get we'll yeah get so anyways it was that's that's the other memorable part of that race anyways it's i i just imagine i'm like man that's what rock stars probably feel like every time they walk on stage you know with like that's you have awesome. yeah like 50,000 fans yeah. that just they're there to see you and like not me but like Aaron and stuff but to experience that and like that, that adrenaline that, rush I was like just, holy oh, yeah. cow dude like I couldn't stop grinning and it was just like dang but then like complete opposite of just going into silence and like okay real life again like yeah now it's work time so do, <laughs> yeah. you, so do you think I mean no I know you're going to be his mechanic till he's done riding <laughs> racing <laughs> Um, did you think when you took when you said yes in a whim while he's on his couch that you'd be doing these all this year? No clue. I didn't even think about it. Like never even was a thought that crossed my mind um, until we left Specialized and went to YT. And um, I remember when he was talking with YT, um, we were actually like, I think it was end of the day or, or before or after practice or something like that. We were doing like hot cold sessions between the sauna and the pool. Um, and we were like sitting in the in the sauna when he told me that he was um had an offer from yt and depending on how it went was uh, potentially going to take it but he was like dude like i know this deal specializes is a good gig like and if then they're probably going to want to try to keep you here or bring you on in some form or fashion internally and he's like if that option presents itself and it's viable for you he's like but please take it like don't ever like if it's better than what i can do like take it like do that and i was like okay and sure enough like there was a job offer there and 
went through that process of um i was like okay and i just kept them in the loop i'm like yep they're talking like these are you know terms this that and the other and i just kind of had to come to my own choice um zero influence from him more specialized and i was like mm, nah i'm like i'm gonna stay with my boy like it, it was pretty easy decision after like a couple of talks with specialized and i was like yeah now nah, like i'd have to move all the way up there and the cost of living versus what the salary offer was and i was like eh, it just doesn't make sense of like where i want to be at in my life at the moment and I was like, no, like I really like we got a good thing going. Um, and at the time, like YT was pretty new, never raced. Like it was a it was a gamble, it yeah, was a risk for sure. Yeah, but it paid off um, really well. Did you well. tell him you're my boy blue? Yeah, <laughs> my boy blue. Yeah, that was always like our little like uh, thing going back and forth. And that first race that he won in South Africa is our first race together. Um, he, I have that helmet upstairs, and he, I think he wrote that on there. He was like, signed it. and said, first race, first place. Like, you're my boy, Blue, and then signed it. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, so that's a pretty cool, like, piece of memory. I don't have much. I don't ask for much. I don't ask for the jerseys and helmets and goggles or anything like that. I'm like, just save that for other people who want it or stuff like that. I'm like, I feel like I have a more a better paid in those experiences. Like, I was there when it happened. It was yeah. part of it. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't need a goggles or gloves to remember it, but that helmet's pretty cool just because it's, like, the first race and the first win and um weird stat like he's gone on to win the opening round of every season up until i think i forget we broke it either in 18 or 19 or something like that so i'm like 14 15 16, like four or five seasons in a row i'd have to go back and like double check yeah. those stats but it was like four or five seasons in a row where we won the first race every wow. single year and so that was all, also our other thing was like first race first place like type of thing so yeah yeah that's awesome. pretty that, cool a, that's awesome what a career though like yep. just uh and now you're at, you guys are with intent yep you, um so been what two years on them no this is three third. this is year four, four. this is so yeah. this is going into yep, year we signed four. with Man, him in uh i'm getting old Time 2018 flies. jeez right no no 2019 sorry okay. signed in 2019 so 19 20 and okay. 21 whereas our first contract now we're into 22 so our fourth year all right yeah. you guys uh just brought on dakota yep and joe breeden joe breeden yep and S- still have yes. still have seth still sherlock have seth. Okay. yep all right yeah cool. pretty cool i'm stoked with this lineup cool. like it's uh, uh we got some hitters Aaron and i were even talking like dude i mean nico's a hitter as well um and those guys have worked so well together yeah. over the years yeah. um but to have dakota and joe on there i'm like and aaron and seth i'm like there's some there's some potential for some some cool stuff nice. to happen this year. So nice. I'm Exciting. pretty excited. Yeah, that's cool. Yep, that's Got awesome. A, a lot of stuff we're working on, um, and yep. it's crunch time this time of year. Yep. But um, yeah, everything's looking really good from what we've seen and working on. Yeah. And I'm excited for to watch these guys race in March. All right. You guys gonna do your routine where you go out to bootleg still and do Yeah. Do um I think year? we're we're definitely mixing in a bit more time out east in uh Tennessee at uh Windrock Bike Park. So okay. I've been doing uh, a couple of test sessions out there. Um and he's got a place out there that he'll probably be at in between races a bit more. Um just for proximity of good training at Windrock and the weather and stuff like that. So, yeah. <clears throat> you know, um, SoCal's some decent tracks, but we've ridden them for quite a while. Yeah. So, and they've been pretty good at, at helping us get a, a good base going, uh, especially this time of year, but then we'll start ramping up a bit more, spend a little more time back east 
Um, that's another reason that Mountain Creek race is a good um, in-between race. Yeah. Uh, between World Cups is always good. It's usually before Fort William. Um, yeah. It's a short flight over. It's a good warm-up race. Um, get back in the mix. Get in the start hut. Get those jitters out yeah. <clears throat> um, that you build up between races and stuff. So right now it's just um, – So you'll travel, be traveling back and forth as well? Yep. Sweet. Yep. So just a – yeah, like I said, it's just prep time, crunch time. Um, he's crushing all his gym and fitness stuff right now. He's doing really well. I'm feeling super strong. Good. Um, got a new bike in the pipeline. Um, it's been floating around. Everybody's been talking about it a little bit, but, yeah. um, can't obviously say anything about it now. Yeah. Um, but that'll be probably the first time scene will be in France at the first world cup, but we'll okay. get, the, get the boys on it beforehand, get a team camp going. Nice. Get everything built up. Team um, camp going to be in California here. I haven't or? decided yet. Okay. Yep. It's kind of, uh, dependent on, uh, when when we can deliver the new bike to the rest gotcha. of the riders gotcha. um, and then we'll make a decision from that yeah. point so you're just his mechanic though right or yeah but it? i also yeah it's uh, at a surface level just his mechanic um but i also do quite a bit of work behind the scenes no in no, terms no. Of i meant like the other guys as mechanics do they each have yeah yeah own? they each have their own okay. mechanics just saying it so people know out yep. there you know yep each rider has his own mechanic um Joe Breeden is bringing uh, John Stout over, and he was um, McCann's mechanic at NS and when they were on Polygon and NS. So he's well experienced. They work really well together. And I know John over the years just from uh, popping around the pits and yeah. hanging out and talking with other Your mechanics. social. Yeah, my social time. butterfly circle. <laughs> um, and and gotten to know McCann pretty well over the years, being at the races and, and stuff like that. So known those two for a good bit. Um, and then Dakota's got a new mechanic, James McAllister, which he's super confident in. He's been like a guy that's kind of been there since the beginning of his career, um, the way I understand it, and helped him advance his career. Um, and Dakota's super stoked to have him on board um, and just have that immediate, like, comfortability yeah. with somebody yeah. in, right. in history and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, But um, it'll make him happy. And then Seth has a new mechanic who I haven't met yet, <clears throat> up, um, who's also from, like, his area. And so it's just good to have um, a Canadian, eh? Yep, yep. Up there, I think he's from um, Squamish. I want to say okay. maybe like neighbors with Todd, the team manager, oh, okay. or or at least lives in the same town. So it's good for Seth to have somebody up there that can yeah. maintain bikes and stuff like yeah. that. And he's not trying to do it himself, and yeah. you know, only getting support at the races and with right. the mechanic. Um, and it makes the mechanic's life a bit easier when sure. you know a rider shows up and you haven't seen him in six months. Sure. Or, or in between races and you haven't seen him for a month and that bike is hammered and you got mm -hmm. a lot of work to do this first that <laughs> right. the next race you see him, you know? So it'd yeah. be good for him to have a guy up there and, and help him maintain his stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's always super important for athletes. I'm glad we can provide. It's not always the case on right. all teams. So um, yeah. it's cool that we can provide that for them. That's awesome. Yep. Good. Well, thanks for joining us today. Heck yeah. 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 That was awesome. Been... Long one, but worth it. I love. Oh, I can yeah, hear your stories. Good. I this love your stuff. That's, and uh, at yeah. the end of the season, we're going to meet back with you again. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yep. We'll yeah. do this, so that'll be good. So yeah. remember Huck and Ride 30 um, on Kenda. Trail Tune, thank you. And no matter where you're at in life, no matter what the road deals with you, if they're on two wheels, keep, keep the, the rubber, rubber side down. down.